we not talk about family when family's all that we got. Everything I went through, you were standing there by my side. And now you're gonna be with me for the last one. Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, but we chose this one. This is episode 16, Fast 5, Lap 2. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. And this episode is brought to you by SentrySafe, creating peace of mind for a lifetime. SentrySafe enables people to safeguard the important and irreplaceable. We give people the confidence to know that their valuables entrusted in their care are protected and can endure adverse conditions due to fire, flood, or theft. Ooh. Yeah. Shout out SentrySafe. Did you get your safe in the mail? I did. It's a little bit smaller than the one in this movie, but I also don't have nearly as much money to, you know, store in the safe as they do in this movie. But yeah, I did. Sadly, mine doesn't have a hand scanner, like a palm print scanner, but thank you. That's on the high-end ones. Yeah. We we just got, you know, some nice sentry safes. I have one in my basement. I store all my, like, birth certificates and stuff in there. This episode, this is our first episode of every other week. We just recorded, you know, behind the scenes, we recorded the last episode two days ago. Yeah. The last episode was released five days ago. So we are here in the quickest back-to-back turnaround. It's almost like a, you know, a home-and-home for hockey, right? Like, it's like a... (laughs) That's funny, because the Penguins play, like, a home and an away against the Islanders this week. And it makes sense for these two to be back-to-back because four ends where this begins, right? This is the pivot. Yeah, I'm actually kind of glad that we don't have that much space in between them because it, like, felt like a nice segue for my brain when watching them again. Joining us after the break will be Walt Hickey, formerly of 538, now currently of Numlock News. He's also doing something else, but he writes a newsletter, sends it out daily, which you can get for free. Which are awesome. You can also subscribe for $5 a month to support him and also get a really cool Sunday edition. So we will talk a little bit more about that. But we had him on, we mentioned, I think, on that episode or two ago we had him on a cage club and he was like oh i love the fast and furious movies so we're like cool we're gonna we're gonna chat to you real soon about this so here we are in a little bit walt coming up to talk about fast five yeah i'm excited for him to join not that i'm looking to any looking forward to any guest more than another but this is yeah. one that i was really looking forward to so i hope he does not disappoint you or our listeners but i'm sure that he won't so yeah so it's time for our first segment, extracurricular activities. Like I said, we recorded last day, uh, last episode two days ago, but since then I did go to that party that I mentioned. Nice, hung out it? with Chris Podcasts. Cool. Uh, he was Tommy Wiseau. Nice. So there was that. He was carrying a football around. So then by the time he got tired of the football, I was holding the football. We also played rock band for a couple hours. That's cool. All in all, a fun little party. Good to see Chris because he is. You know, drowning in med school work. Yeah. So anytime sure. I can see him, it's it's cool to see him. And then yesterday, I just watched football all day. So that was my weekend. Did you do anything fun since Saturday when we recorded? No, we got really, really drunk on Saturday night for the um, Penguins game, and we stayed up. I don't know when I w- or how I went to bed. And then um, I woke up Sunday, watched the Steelers game, and that's what I did all day. Yeah, pretty much. Your poor Steelers cost Hugh Jackson his job, or more accurately, the <laughs> fact that he went, I think, 3-36-1 in two-plus seasons cost him his job, but you know. <laughs> Zach had a really good stat that was like, of the like 250 quarterbacks, I mean, uh, head coaches that have been fired in the past 10 years, like Hugh Jackson is 249th in win percentage, <laughs> and, the, and the 250th guy was the owner at the time, so he couldn't really fire himself. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were talking before, you know, earlier today that this is the sixth time in a row the Browns have fired a coach mid-season after playing the Steelers a second time. So, yeah, that's a good, I know, like that stat. That's like a, It doesn't happen every year, but when it does, <laughs> it's always after they get beaten by the Steelers, so. Amen. There's yeah, that was something a f- like that. Fun sports news day for 
at all of my friends online, so yeah. we had a good time about it. Do you like sports? Email us, family at cageclub.me. <laughs> uh, we, have a web, we have an email here on the show, mailbag segment. We don't have any email because we just recorded yeah, true. 48 hours ago, but email family at cageclub.me. We will, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to have a couple, not really begging for them, but also kind of begging for them, but I'm assuming just because we put out two episodes by the time that we're going to record the next one, so I'm assuming we'll have a couple emails. Family at cageclub.me. We will read whatever you write. Exactly. On the streets, you said you had some news. So two I days have some ago, fun news. I have we some... recorded. There's new news since then. What's I think your there, new news? Yeah, there is new news since then, actually. Okay, first one. Do you want the biggest one or the medium one? You know I like my dessert first. Okay, so I, so these are... Uh... Do you know that's from? No. It's from this movie. Is it? What part does when, it have? When that one cop goes to The Rock, he's like, I got good news and bad news. He's like, what do you want? He's like, you know what? I like my dessert first. No, I totally missed that. Okay, cool. It's Catch really that on the next movie. rewatch. There you go. <laughs> I don't know how my answer relates to either one of your options, but... I think the that they're both first. big, and I think that you could rank them either way, so that's why it didn't okay. matter. That's why I was letting you cool. choose. What I think is, like, the bigger, air quotes, bigger mm-hmm. news mm-hmm. is that Stephen Colbert, okay. he has some kind of, like, segment on a sh- on a show and it's called just okay. one question just one question okay he had hillary clinton sit down and he said just one question the rock or vin diesel oh i know i know she says i'm, I'm just gonna read it because it's 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 like a good answer what a tough question boy the fast and the furious movies prove that both are masters of high octane action and while The oh, Rock boy. is an indispensable part of the later films, Vin Diesel is really the heart and center of the Toretto family, and in the end, everyone is better off when they're able to look past what divides them and work together. You know, I like to say, stronger together. So she's firmly a Vin Diesel girl. <laughs> what do you think the odds are, zero or more than zero, <laughs> that she's ever seen a minute of a Fast and Furious movie? It's zero approaching an infinity. Mm-hmm. It's like approaching zero. The like the odds. Like if I had Vegas odds on it, it would be like plus seventy thousand that she's seen <laughs> one Fast and Furious movie. I think I think some hipster millennial had to write that answer for her. Oh, one hundred percent. I also wouldn't put it past her to not have heard of at least one of the two actors. <laughs> same, same, same. I was just about to say that. Like, I'm, she was like, "Which? Who's that one?" You know, like, okay. But I bet that Bill has seen them multiple times. I feel like he might have seen the early ones. You know what I mean? Like he, uh, I feel like he, if he had to, he'd be more into the early ones. I don't know. I could see Bill just like sitting on the couch, hand in his pants, watching Fast and the Furious while Hill Dog's like running around in the background. You know, like, God damn yeah. it, Bill, this again. And he's like, wait, it's a good scene. You know? Like, <laughs> but that's just my yeah. take on what I see happening in that family. Okay. God, that is, that is really good. And also just so funny for so many reasons. But, <laughs> what, okay. the imagery? Just, you know, Hillary Clinton just talking for a minute about Fast and Furious, like, <laughs> I know. That's why I said it. I, I, I think that's quotably the bigger news. But another big that's why piece of I'm news, with her. <laughs> another big piece of news is that Vin Diesel was spotted sharing romantic snog with you know who? Oh wait, Char- no, no, no. Charlize was. I think no. there was a rumor that Charlize was dating Brad Pitt. We could have we could have freaked out if that happened. Come on, so it's not that. You know who it is? Who? Tallulah Riley. Oh, yeah. Or Mrs. Elon Musk twice. 
former Mrs. Elon Musk twice was out there. She's making out with them, and there's like pictures of them like smooching. I gotta set Google alerts for because uh, I had a Google alert for Fast and Furious, and 100% of the articles that I got back were unhelpful. They were all like, uh, "This medical bill is theories. Fast and Furiously coming at you," or and whatever. I was like this, yeah. So I created one for Hobbs and Shaw, so that's good. Yeah. Then I also just created one for Vin Diesel. Do you think I should do... I'll do Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne the Rock, the Rock Johnson? Maybe I'll get some more of those, but... Because the Hobbs and Shaw thing, it keeps me abreast of the situation, but there's no good... Real news. Google alert for the actual franchise. But yeah, Yeah. those are are good. I mean, the first one especially. Vin Diesel and Tallulah, pretty good, but, you know... Hill Dog talking about... Okay, yeah, so you, okay, I ranked them the right way? Okay. Yeah, so you gave me my dessert first, which is good. Okay, cool. Those are my two big pieces of news, Fast and the Furious. A little Fast and the Furious news going on here. So before we get to our new lap observations and then take a break, I've been forgetting to say this. Actually, I guess we only recorded the one episode since I got this, but... I was there when you bought it. Our friend... You were there when I bought it. Our friend, who was in the last episode, Liam Underwood, sent us a picture from the UK and said, Do you guys know about this? And he was holding a Fast and Furious Monopoly board. And I was Which like, they make no. every version of Monopoly. I have a Bob's Burgers one. There's yep. there's a bajillion of them. But this is fucking cool. So I looked on eBay, no results. I looked on Amazon, there was just one. And it was like 50 bucks. And I was like, I guess I gotta buy it because I need to have it. So I got it, it came. So I'm gonna go over a few things here. What is the same, what is different? I'm sure that these are... Yeah, tell me. I wanna know, like, what's, is, is Toretto's Garage... Boardwalk. If it's not, I'm gonna be sad. No. So here's the thing. Oh, fuck. So let me go through this little piece of paper. And I can put the piece of paper down. Uh, the game board. The action on the board is the same, but you're buying moments from the franchise. Moments. So you know how on no. each side of the board. No. <sighs> well, sometimes they're places, but you know on on each side of the board, there's two colors, right? Like there's the dark purple and the light blue. There is the yeah. There's sets whatever. of threes and twos. So yeah. Each of those is a different movie. So each there's eight colors, eight movies. So the first one is Fast and Furious One and Two Fast Two Furious. The second side between Jail and Free Parking is Tokyo Drift and Fast and Furious Four. Okay. Between Fast and Furious Four and Go to Jail are Fast Five and Fast, Fast and Furious Six. Okay. And then the final stretch is Furious Seven and Fate of the Furious. So this was pretty. So, this was pretty recent then, because we were trying to figure out when is. they made it. So transport spaces, which are the railroads, have been replaced by Los Angeles, Gran Canaria. Miami River and Rio de Janeiro. Okay. The utilities, Electric Company and Waterworks, are now Tej's Garage and Dom's Garage. Okay. Chance and Community Chest Cards have become Race Admission Cards. Okay. Houses have been renamed Workshops, and Hotels have become Showrooms. Oh. So that's all of that. So then we were talking about, because there is a game that we're going to play, I think, on a future lap, maybe with Mike, maybe the lap after Mike, we're not sure, but we're going to turn different board games into a Fast and Furious version. I think we could probably still do Monopoly and yeah. just do it better. Yeah, th- this doesn't sound very appetizing, to be honest. Especially, the, the thing that's kind of boring is that all the pieces are cars. Okay. Which makes it kind of hard, like, you know, as someone who doesn't really know cars, there are some, you know, SUVs or some sports cars, whatever. It should have been like a wrench... It should have been, yeah. like, Dom's necklace. Because I feel like if you forget where you are on the board, you're like, oh, I was the car. Everyone's the car. You know car. what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. I get it. So I looked, the first thing I saw, because I looked to Boardwalk and Park Place, because we were hoping it was the big things. The first thing I saw, and this is the only one I caught so far, Park Place is Dom joins Cypher, oh. right? But they spell Cypher C-I-T, as in Tom, H-E-R, like Scyther, Scyther. And I was like, That's how a- are you going to let a typo... 
get on the board. On the board. That's Actually, on the board. Maybe you have, like, a rare, like, misprint copy. Probably not. I don't think anybody gives a shit about this. Okay. There's an impound fee, is instead of the uh, tax, there's a speeding fine, which is, like, the luxury tax. Yeah. Uh, But the ones from this movie, which we'll just talk about, are Train Robbery is the first one. Okay. Then Favela Chase, which is that rooftop chase. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then the third one is Stealing the Vault. Those are good ones. Those are solid. That's that. But yeah, so it's cool. I want to play this because I want, just want to play Monopoly, but I also want to play Fast and Furious Monopoly, and I also spent $50 on this, and I want to get my money's worth. So I don't know if one game of Monopoly is worth $50, but, you know, it's a tax write-off. Play. So. Yeah, I'll play. I recently played Monopoly for the first time ever with Rachel. She had never what? played. Oh, with Rachel. Yeah. Like, okay. I had played, obviously. Okay, but she'd never played. She had never played ever before in her life. And I made her watch the Louis C.K. when he, like, talks about Monopoly. Like, do you ever watch this one? Maybe. You're probably gonna, it's probably gonna ring a bell when you talk about it. He, like, talks about Monopoly, and he's like, look, there's, like, the only way you win Monopoly is, like, if someone cries. And, like, he's, oh, like, yes. when he's, like, playing mm-hmm. with his daughters, and he's like, look, I, like, teach them, like, look, I took all of your shit. And, like, everything that you have still won't even come close to repaying me right now. But I'm gonna take all of your shit and just use it to demolish your sister in the next pass, you know? Like, <laughs> yep. And it's really funny. So like, I made her watch that, and then we played Monopoly, and we went around the board, and like, and I got to the point where I was just like, okay, Rachel, like, you could not pay me and just give me these two properties, you know yep. what I mean? And it just, you know, you get to that point that's just like flip the board or cry. That's the only way somebody wins. The everybody knows that the way to win Monopoly is just to have the orange squares. Like that's it. Like that's if you have those. Really? It's all over. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's how I win. You know, I haven't played Monopoly in a while, but because of where they're located, because they're right by jail and by just visiting, if you like a six, eight, or nine or whatever, those are like the most common things. Like if you have orange like you, and you have hotels on there quickly, like you are golden. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, that's cool. I like it. All right. The last little thing that we're going to talk about before we take a break and bring in Walt is our new lap observation. So what about this time, did you notice that you've never seen before in Fast Five? I noticed something that's not Fast and the Furious related, but also Fast and the Furious adjacent. Okay. At the end, when Brian's supposed to get away, Dom has the safe, Brian shows up with the gun and, like, shoots Reyes, right? Mm-hmm. You can see on his wrist he has a tattoo that says Meadow with a flower. Oh. Yeah, because I was trying to stop and see what the tattoo was, and they didn't make him cover it up. It's, like, his, his daughter's name and a... And a flower. Cute. Yeah, it was really cool. I was like, oh, that's cool. Because like, I was like, oh, what does that tattoo say? And then I was like, oh, no, that was just really his tattoo, and it said Meadow. Like, that, w- they just didn't care about it. At the end of the movie, this is not my observation. This is just okay. something I noticed that's related to yours. When Dom and Elena show up to the house with Brian and Mia, and I was still... It still doesn't look like Elena to me because she's in, like, casual wear, you know yeah. what I mean? And I just yeah. can't recognize people in other outfits. But she's got a little, like, hip tattoo uh, that I was like, oh, you know, a little bit a little bit edgy for a uh, cop, but there you go. Yeah. Ooh. Fancy boy. All right. So I've got a... Uh, what did you notice? Here. So the, the one thing I'll say early on is... There's a couple close-ups early on about Vince's forearm for when he's wrapped in that wire from the first movie. Like, he has lived with these oh, literal scars. I didn't scars notice that. Okay, the that's first cool. Movie. Yeah, so they, they show a couple times really early on, and it just, like, they the, the camera, like, stays on it, right? Yeah, so I didn't like, see that. No, I didn't. So it's like, this is, you know, he's been living with it, because we haven't seen him since the first movie, so. Yeah, we're acknowledging his scars. One little thing I noticed that, not about the movie, this is the only movie in, a, in the series without the word Furious in the title. Ooh. There are two movies without Fast... Furious 7 and Fate of the Furious, but this is the only one without... That's not Furious. Yeah. 
just fast. You know, when we talked about this movie last time, I said that I almost cried at the very end, just out of happiness that when they robbed the safe, when they opened the safe, they're like, oh, our guys did it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This time, that did not get me there, but I almost cried at a different part in this movie, which is when, like, 40 minutes in, Domnia and Brian are on that balcony, and they're like, we're going to need a chameleon, we're going to need a fast talk, we're going to need this, we're going to need that, or whatever. Yeah. And at the very end, you know, he says that we need two guys who don't crack. Dom says, we need two guys who don't crack under pressure, guys who never lose. And Brian says, you know we got that. And he just looks at him with the Paul Walker smile. And I was like, yeah. fuck, like, that's just the fact that he's dead, that they're never going to have that again. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. this wonderful moment between actors, between characters that we just don't have. And it was just like this kind of unbridled joy in a way. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just this... God, it's just it's just a bummer, man. Like there's it is. I think there's gonna be like a little thing in every movie where I just I just see and I'm like, man, like it just it's it's like like life isn't fair sometimes, you know what I mean? So Yeah, when when we were just watching four and Paul Walker came back, I was like, damn, we're not gonna get any more of these like he's back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was like he came back then and I was like, Oh, this is cool and then I was like, Oh fuck, like he's not gonna come back again, so yeah, Sucks. that's a bummer. Cool, I've got other things that I will say for Walt because they are kind of character-based or stuff that I want to talk about the two of you, talk to the two of you about. Cool. Anything else you want to talk about before we take a break and then, no. you know, come back? Nope. Cool, so we will have a quick little commercial break with a little bit of the same music that I play in every episode. And we'll be <laughs> right back with another word from our sponsors. Fast 2 Forever, Lap 2, Fast 5. Um, and our sponsor today is SentrySafe. Founded in 1930, SentrySafe is a global leader in offering <laughs> fire-resistant and security storage solutions for important documents and valuables. SentrySafe produces and distributes fire-resistant chest, files, safes, and security storage containers to more than 54 countries worldwide. SentrySafe. Cool. Yeah. Like money. Exactly. So. What is the currency in Brazil? Do we know? I bet our guest knows. <sighs> I'm going to ask Google right now. It is the Brazilian... Oh, the Real. I think I knew that. Maybe. Our guest today is a very smart man, a very cultured man, also someone who just loves pop culture like we do. It is Walt Hickey of Numlock News. Hello, Walt. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm having a great time. Thanks again for having me. This is always a super fun podcast to come up. You also have a new gig, right? Like, you're, you're doing Numlock still every day, and I subscribe to that, and I think everybody else should subscribe to that and pay you if they have the ability to pay you, but you also have a new gig now, too, right? Yeah. Um. No, thank you so much uh, for mentioning Numlock. That's the daily news thing that I have, but I actually just signed on. I'm going to be the senior editor for Data at Insider. Uh, so it's actually kind of a bit of a homecoming for me. They gave me my first job in journalism. Ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, great. And I am essentially, like, I'll have resources to do, like, original polling, uh, original research, all that kind of stuff. So That's it's actually, cool. like, it's a good time. I'm really looking forward to it. Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. Well, the reason we found you, or the way that we found you for Cage Club, another show on the network, is you used to write for 538 and you had put this piece together. You had a whole series on the different types of movies. What, what was the name of that series? I, I should have done literally any research, but I sure, did not. Sure. It was uh, Hollywood Taxonomy. And you did one about the four different kinds, or five different kinds, of Nicolas Cage movies. And as I was going through those to do a little bit of research for that show, I was like, oh, you did Vin Diesel and The Rock. And then I, was, mm -hmm. I said to you several months ago, I was like, we also have a Fast and Furious podcast. You were like, oh, I love those movies. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. well... You were like, boy, we have a podcast for you? Boy, do we have a <laughs> podcast for you. Okay. The greatest film franchise to ever live. 
I think there's only one kind of Fast and Furious movie, and that is great. <laughs> but I'm sure you could also subset these a little bit. But welcome. So I'm I'm assuming I don't want to wrongfully assume. Have you seen all eight movies? I have. Yes. Okay. How would you? No pressure, but how would you rank them? Oh boy. Uh, so. Uh... You've hit me on the one that this is my favorite of the Fast and mm-hmm. Furious movies by far. Now the rest of them, that's where that's a oof, that's a pickle, isn't it? You can even say like which ones you like, which ones you don't like. If anything stands out, it doesn't have to be like a yeah. rigid ranking system. You can just. I mean, I'll be frank with you. Uh, it's this on that I really prefer, and then it's the previous ones yep. from these that I don't really prefer a lot. Yeah, um, I like the music from Tokyo Drift. That that song's bang on. But um, yep. I think its decision, the franchise's transition. I'm sure that we will talk to this a little bit more later. But the franchise's transition to less about the cars and more about the people who drive them was to hit me because I'm the kind of like I don't really I'm not a gearhead kind of stuff right I'm absolutely a heist movie guy and I'm absolutely a caper kind of guy and I'm absolutely interested in these ensemble pictures and again I'm sure that we'll get into some of the stuff that I wrote about Diesel later but I think that he is brilliant in so many different ways about how he escalates over the course of a franchise this was a really important turning point in the franchise for me personally I would say and so everything after this is uh, just a totally different tier than the stuff that kind of came before now had you seen the first four before this came out because like this was the first one that I saw and then I went back and saw them all had like what what was the first one in the series that you saw oh boy uh, so I will tell you straight up I was uh, I was a non-believer Oh, okay. Yeah. For the longest time, like uh, years and years, I had opportunities to see these movies, and I decided not to. They're carboy movies, and I wasn't carboy. Yeah. Uh, I was. I was mm-hmm. a, a different kind of. Uh, film geek and all that kind of stuff but i would say well, heist that, boy yeah exactly yeah i just you know I, I i like heist movies and i like when yeah. people steal stuff and i like when danny ocean gets 10 friends and they do a fun thing in a casino mm-hmm. and, and Which like is this movie yeah in a lot of ways i mean the the intersection of where this movie lives versus other heist movies we can talk about later because i've for a different side project have done a lot of different research about heist movies and so i'm happy to parlay some of those findings ahead of publication so to speak but um <laughs> long story short one thing that really interests me is that I like how these movies totally refocused and they realized what the appeal was. This is the first movie that I saw with it. I saw it when I was drunk and I saw it with uh, my group of friends and uh, to this day it still is a central kind of like the family mentality of you're (laughs) able to choose the people that you want to surround yourself with and you're Mm -hmm. able to build the people that you want to spend your life with. That's That's an important idea. This movie was a very consequential thing of being like, these aren't just cowboy movies. These are like movies about broader ideas and they are able to talk about them in a compelling way because they kind of drape themselves in all the affectations of a car movie, that kind of stuff. I fully agree with you, I think, on just about every point. I I saw this one because How Did This Get Made did this, Mm. so I guess it's the uh, podcast equivalent of being drunk with your friends, and (laughs) I was like, oh, I love this, and I went back, I was like, these movies are wildly different, but then I saw six, seven, eight in theaters, and... You know, this one and six for me are right up there. In terms of the ones, you, you like the, 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 the four more recent ones. You, you, st- you even like eight? Because eight is a, eight's a hot button topic on this, on this podcast. Eight, I find fascinating. Like, I, a lot of times, like, again, like, you fellas had a movie podcast about Nicolas Cage, and mm-hmm. you, I think that we can all agree that there's a difference between movies that we like, there's a difference between movies that we appreciate. Yeah. And eight, I think, shows some of the seams. And I think it's the first and only time that you actually can see Hollywood kind of pushing in on these guys. And, like, the thing that I find fascinating about 8 is that the two most important people in the movie were never in the same scene together. 
And when you watch it, re-seeing that, you can see, oh my god, the, the filmmaking that had to go into this and the rewrites that had to go into this in order just to keep Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson separate are mm-hmm. Herculean. And so I think that even when you can see the scenes a little bit more, you can understand how something works. And eight, I'm definitively lower on for a couple different reasons. The first and foremost is, as a person with extremely specific knowledge of the geography of New York City, I have some (laughs) specific problems when it comes to a major chase sequence that occurs. Because 8, okay, like 8 came out in 2016 or 2017? Last year, 2017. I went to Cleveland to cover the RNC right after they had filmed the scene where they ruined a building in Cleveland for a movie. That was when all the cars come out of that garage. That was in Cleveland. I went to the RNC, which is right in downtown Cleveland, and you know, you see the city of Cleveland and you kind of get a sense of its perspective. And so what I'm in the theater in Queens watching Fast 8 and I'm literally seeing crap that I saw at the damn RNC and like they get from Midtown to the island in, in under 20 minutes. And like, it's, it's, it's like so infuriating as a person who has to deal with this goddamn transit system that, mm-hmm. that a bunch of that, like car people were able to like, it's just it, the geography. It like strains the brain. Sometimes Joey and I talk about distances between stuff, like how fast it is and then how fast it would take us in Fast and Furious time. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. We like, we're like, Oh yeah. Like it would be like 20, minutes from my house to your house in Fast and Furious time. Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the cops wouldn't chase us because we're doing over 170 K. kilometers yeah. an hour or whatever. Exactly, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what if your car is invisible? Anyway, Ooh. like, but yeah. Steal cop cars, folks. That's how you avoid tickets. We don't like it. Or I mean, I especially don't like it because it's Dom against the family. Like here, mm-hmm. like the last movie four, which we just recorded a couple days ago. And then this one, the early ones have family, but these are really the core of the Dom, Brian, Mia. We pivot now to Mia's family pregnant. Like, this firmly is, in four. Like four this and is, five. Yeah. This is, because yeah. everybody comes back here. You know what I mean? This is like the first time we see like the whole crew and the ensemble come together. At a certain point, like, if you think about some of the creative influences on The Fast and the Furious, we can talk about this later, but the thing that I talked about in the Vin Diesel thing is that I think that Vin Diesel's core creative influence in life is Dungeons & Dragons, which makes him a fascinating yep. filmmaker. Yes. Because yeah. that's not true for many other people. And again, we can table that as long as you guys want, but I think that with the introduction of Dwayne Johnson and the more action movie, the more action names that got added, it started getting less about that vision and more about, like, the wrestling-based vision in a lot of ways of, like, oh, that's a heel turn, and then, oh, we gotta flip this guy. And, like... People were always very fluid morally in the Fast and Furious universe, but it, it, there was never really a major heel turn until eight, especially of a character of that magnitude. So I like it's complicated. I get it, but uh, I'm definitely more <laughs> interested in the storytelling styles of when it's Diesel's franchise through and through. Is he still is he still like in charge of it creatively? We haven't done any of the like interesting trivia kind of research yet because we're still early and we don't want to like sure. blow. Yeah, we're we're saving that for like when we've seen these movies six or seven times each. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. we have nothing left to say. Let's look on IMDb and let's do a little bit of research. So we don't Absolutely. really know much behind the scenes, but like how much in control is he or has some of that ceded to the rock or is it or do they have no control over it as i remember vin diesel is the executive producer of these movies and okay. executive producer they are somebody who's steering the conversation producers are the people who are making the phone calls to hire people they're making hiring decisions okay whenever you see produced by that person made the movie right okay. executive producer means that they're an essential component and they are get a creative control in some way shape or form in the movie and as a result, a great example of this is that if you watched like Maniac on Netflix, okay. both Jonah Hill and Emma Stone are executive producers on that. Now, that doesn't mean that they were deciding who to hire for the cinematography department, but what that means is that the reason that they signed on was so that they could 
integrate the project with some of their own creative vision. Gotcha. Okay. okay. And so it, it's a very squishy credit. Sometimes they toss it to a guy who's funding the movie, which is why sure. when you see – there's a lot of really great examples of that, but you'll see a lot of times on Netflix productions, Ted Sarandos is an executive producer or one of mm-hmm. his subsidiaries because they're the people throwing the money at the problem. Gotcha. And okay. so that's what it gets. But basically executive producer is a high-ranking title for somebody who does get some creative control either because they're the guy who's holding the bag or they're the star who's coming on to produce it. And so a lot of the times you're going to see people set up like quote-unquote shingles, and the idea is that that's their production studio. So the real thing that's interesting to watch with the Fast and Furious franchise is that it's made by, I believe, Vin Diesel's production company, OneDrive. Okay. I can pull up IMDb to check on this more, or we can table that for later. But my understanding is that these movies literally would not have happened after the third one had Vin Diesel not agreed to come back. And the reason that he agreed to come back was he did the the cameo at the end of um, Tokyo Drift yeah. in exchange for Universal funding the first film in the Chronicles of Riddick franchise. Yeah. And he right. came back and did the fifth one. This is his big return. If I, No, the fourth one. I'm sorry. Fast and Furious. He agreed to come back so that they would fund his the second movie in the Chronicles of Riddick franchise. And I believe it was the same deal with the fifth. Like, so the idea is that he is using this as a bargaining chip. He'll get creative control over it, and he'll get to make the movie that he wants to make. And it seems like until recently, when he started beefing with The Rock, that he he also wanted to do this. Like it's it does, it's not really like a one for you, one for us sort of situation mm-hmm. because it feels like he wants to do both. Now, you know, there's tension and stuff like that, but it feels like a good trade off for him. Like he gets to make. Is there still tension? Didn't we have that Instagram moment where he was like, <sighs> with The Rock was on the set of it, and they kind of like made amends or something? I don't I'm know because sure. I mean, like, there's there's the whole Hobbs and Shaw movie that yeah. Vin Diesel's not like. I, I think and that is happening as the core family member in these movies, right? Like the fact that they're like, hey, we can make a movie without you. Like even if he's like, I'm cool with it. There's probably some part of that Hollywood ego that's like, well, you know, it's my movies. Yeah, I would feel the same yeah. way. I agree. Not saying there's anything wrong with that. But, okay, so, well, before we get too much deeper into these, because I want to talk about the characters, I want to talk about the actors, mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff, we have some questions for you. Totally. Our lightning round. <gasps> no wrong answers. These are all opinion, really. Oh, boy. If you had to say, are you more of a Brian or a Dom? Damn. Dom. Dom. Family. Yeah. Are you more Mia or Letty? Letty. Okay. You're just crushing skulls all the time, aren't you? I know. Yeah. Roman or a Tej? Not really, you know, crushing skulls here, hmm. but you're a Roman or you a Tej? That's interesting, and that's very hard. So again, like I make like sometimes bots for a living and whatnot as part of my job. So okay. I'm gonna say I'm Tej, right? So you're like, good with circuits. Yeah, I'm, I would say I'm more circus than the face, <laughs> but I mean it kind of depends on what comes up. I like that they position Tej. They're like, we need a guy that's good with circuits. Yeah, and the, and he and he rigged a bridge once, and now he's just like a computer hacker. <laughs> like that logical jump. That like circuits was the right word because I was trying to figure out how they got yeah. there in this movie. This watch. And like, doesn't oh, he yeah, steal circuits. a satellite? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say, here's the thing. Clock in to work, I'm a Tej. Clock out of work, I'm a real Roman. Okay. okay. Yeah. At work, yeah. Tej. Yeah. At home, Roman. Tej okay. in the streets, Roman in the sheets. Yeah. So, so a Tej, a Letty, and a Dom. I'm basic. I have a drinking problem is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've told this story in this podcast before, but when I was at South by Southwest, in 2015, uh, they announced, and I just happened to be at the theater where they were giving away tickets, they announced free tickets for the Furious 7 
world premiere or outside of LA world premiere or whatever. Whoa. Tyrese came out on stage, hey. you know, that night and basically fucked the whole crowd with his voice, for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> like, he just, he basically chased everyone up. Like, James Wan was there, producers were there. Like, there were a handful of people there. And he basically was like, look, leave. This is the Roman show. This is the Tyrese show right now. Mm-hmm. And just, I don't know, I don't remember what he said. I just remember how he said it. And I was like, oh, he would be able to have sex with not just any woman in this room, any person in this room would have sex with Tyrese right now because of the way that he just spoke to the entire room. So anyone who says either at home or at work or at all that they're a little bit of a Roman, mm. props to them. Yeah. yeah. All right. This is a later movie question. Mm-hmm. They're not in these yet. Are you a Deckard or are you yeah. an Owen? Like, I want to think I'm methodical and all that kind of th- stuff, but I think I just, like, will definitely... Yeah, I think I'm a Statham. I'm, yeah, okay, cool. That, that's, that's knowing thine self, all right? That's what that is. That's, that's self-knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> that's knowing your own flaws. Do you prefer American muscle or imports? I, I gotta go American. Damn. I'm a patriot. What can I say? Yeah. I know. I think... So we've now polled nine people. The only person who has picked import is Joe too over there? So, yeah, that's me. Interesting. Uh, everybody else loves American Muscle or pickup trucks. Even our foreign, as, even really? our foreign guests yeah, liked American Muscles. Like again, I've never been a big gearhead, but like the car that I coveted when I was young was a Dodge Challenger. Now I don't know necessarily yeah. what that says about me, but like uh, I don't know if they make that vehicle anymore. I dog. also know that they have a somewhat yeah. nor- notorious Charger and whatnot. Uh, but like I would, he say drives that... a Challenger in one of them. I forget which one. Yeah, he drives a Challenger at some point. And the cop nice cars ride. in this are challengers, aren't they? Or are they chargers? Yeah. They're not Crown Vicks. Uh, no. Yeah, no, I think... Uh, yeah, I mean, if you compare the very... Like, I'm a big fan of Bond as well. The, again, two large car franchises uh, for a person who does not truly sure. care for the automobile. Yeah. Um, I, I always prefer the cars in Fast and Furious than I do in, in the Bond one. Just Cool. Again, yeah. You gotta like this domestics. No wrong answer here, although there's sort of a, a more right <laughs> answer. Do you prefer Corona or a Belgian ale? Corona. Literally, no, no joke. We do the, go, the, you hold the neck of the bottle and we all cheers and go, family. That's the thing that my friend group does. <laughs> it's dumb as hell. And like, I don't really like beer that much. I'm kind of like, I'm very much a whiskey soda guy, but like, oh, mm-hmm. I, yeah. you know what? I do that. I do, I, I hold the neck of the damn Corona and uh, I would like to put a lime in it because it is Corona and it tastes <laughs> like Corona, but yeah, you know, yeah, I got to go with that. <laughs> Again, not a beer guy. Kind of a wimp on that one. So Corona, it tastes like water or urine, and honestly, I can deal with it. <laughs> my friend, yeah. my friend has a theory that every Corona that he's ever drank has been skunked. He well, just, he's like, correct, right? I think that yeah. He's like, I think <laughs> no, it's a clear pre- bottle thing. Yeah, it's a clear bottle thing. That's what he says. He's yeah. like every one I've ever had is skunked. Like I, he's like he's actually curious what it tastes like fresh. I have to imagine it's a completely different experience, yeah, but, but yeah, I, I feel you. I've also only had it at, like, the beach, which is a great way to, like, get too drunk too quickly in the sun so that you don't care about the taste of the Corona that you're drinking, right? <laughs> exactly, like, yeah. yeah. They're drinking beer in this movie, but it's not Corona. And I know what They've it got... is. Oh. What is it? It is a Brahma, okay. which is a Braz- the largest, like, one of the largest beer brands in the world, like, top oh. ten. And it's also owned by, now owned by... And at the time of the movie shoot, was owned by AB InBev, who owns Corona. Anheuser Busch. Yeah. Yeah. AB InBev. Okay. Yeah. It's a Brazilian Corona. It's a Brazilian Corona, essentially. Yeah. Okay. The top two percent of the beer companies make ninety nine percent of the yeah, like it's just like <laughs> uh, most of the beer is InBev or Heineken or whatever. The Constellation. <laughs> yeah, Heineken. Constellation. Yeah, that one. Yeah. All right. Last question. Unless we have one for this movie, Walt. If yes. you had to choose, are you more of a racer? Or a mm. designer? Are you the one in the car, or are you the one getting the car ready? Yeah. I'd say a designer, you know? I, I, so I listened to the previous, the, the first lap of this podcast, 
Because oh. I didn't want to retread any sure. stuff that you really went down into. Fine. And one thing that I truly appreciated that you guys highlighted that I loved in the film was in Fast Five when they're racing and tr- they're trying out the ride to see if they can get through the cameras and they're going through mm-hmm. the maze. Everybody gets behind the wheel, whether it's yeah. one of the designers, whether it's the muscle, any of that kind of stuff. And, and like, I really appreciate that you guys highlighted that because I think that that's such a good moment and kind of about the egalitarian nature of this heist and that kind of stuff. So like, I appreciated that you guys highlighted that because I felt like the good thing about this group is that drivers, technicians, they're all on the same tier, whereas other heists that I've seen, you know, not the same way. Exactly. Sure. You need, like, one driver. But no, they're giving everybody a shot. Everybody gets a chance. Yeah. And I think this movie has... It, it's sort of on the cusp of where they all become superhuman at everything. Yeah. They all still have their own identity here. Like, when they're looking at the security footage, like... Han knows what it is, and like you know, Tej knows like how to <laughs> mm-hmm. how to evade it. Like you can't hack that and kind of like everybody has their skills, uh, as opposed to in a movie or two where they're all just martial artists, superstar drivers, action heroes, all that sort of stuff. But they're yeah. they're, they're teetering on the cusp here, but they are all still in their own sort of era, yeah, which is cool for sure. Very cool. Now, Joe, do we have do we have a do we have an either or from this movie or no? <laughs> Ooh, um... Like, I was thinking, I was thinking, like, Rico or Tego, but I don't know which is which, and so I can't, like, that's not a good one. The one that only speaks Spanish or the one that sometimes speaks English? Like, which yeah. one is it? Yeah. Uh, do you bet on black or do you... Ooh, that's that's a good one. Whoa. Do you put it all on black or do you put it all on red? Black. That's the thing. Black, yeah. Okay. Black. Black, right. yeah. I would have done black, too. Well, we're going to find out in the, uh... Relap recap for you and me, Joe. So okay. cool. I took so many notes on this movie the first time around. I didn't take that many this time around, but mm-hmm. I do have some things here to say about this movie. Number one, I think it's interesting to watch The Rock in this movie because I don't know if it's the writing, I don't know if it's the acting, or I don't know if it is a combination or just the fact that he is 100% business as opposed to just business and family. Mm-hmm. But he feels a little bit more stilted in this than he does in later movies. Like, he feels like his delivery isn't as fun. Like, he's real serious. Yeah, he is definitely more serious. And I don't know if that's by choice or because they haven't really found the character's voice yet or not, but I thought this time around, I was like, oh, he's military, as opposed to just, like, you know, cop. He's, like, he's military. And it's it was not surprising to see, but something I never really, I don't think, picked up on previous watches. Yeah, I think that's a really good thing that you kind of picked up on there, because if you kind of look at the movies that he was making at the time, he was, I would say that he's struggling, honestly, with getting from being a very reliable military character. She kind of, he hammered that down pretty quick to being like a bona fide funny character. If you watch like in the ensuing years ahead of when he actually ended up filming this movie, right? You've got movies that are like Get Smart. You've got movies that are like The Game Plan, uh, Southland Tales, which is kind of a pretty notorious example of of like a movie where he tries humor and it doesn't super work. And so he's very much like Tooth Fairies before this, which is fine, but he's definitely working on this, I would say. I like The Rock a lot, um, because you can actually really watch him grow as an actor if you start at the beginning and walk through. And I think that Fast Five is really when he starts trying to move into roles that are meatier than necessarily just, like, strong guy, right? Like, he'll still do your G.I. Joe retaliations, but he's still, like, but he'll do it the same year that he does a pain and gain. And that's what this kind of role gets him really into, I think. Which is weird, because, like, when he was, like, a wrestler, he was kind of comic relief. Like, he was serious, but it was more fun and funny, so it's, like, kind of him, like, refinding his old character anyways, you know? Because I think later on in the Fast and Furious movies, he becomes more, like, the rock that we envision. Oh, yeah, because, like, there's no, like, I, I don't see any 
correlation here between this character and the guy who coaches his daughter's soccer team. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, right. As much as I don't like Eight, I love The Rock in Eight. Like, he is so good in that, and, like, that character has evolved to a place where it's just like, oh, this is awesome. Like, Hobbs is great to the point where, like, yeah, fuck yeah, I want a Hobbs and Shaw movie. You know what I mean? So, not that he's bad in this, it's just, it's a very different Hobbs. I feel like You're right. probably all the characters evolve, but I feel like this one is very noticeable in terms of where he comes from and where he gets to. Yeah, I totally hear you on that one, just because essentially, like, The Rock has been, he went from being literally the most charismatic wrestler in a generation, and then he he became the meatiest actor. And, like, that was an immediate job switch because he immediately was typecasted as Big Strongman. And then he spent his career trying to get back to being the most charismatic in this game. And I think, by and large, he has absolutely succeeded. He's, like, again, the most... He's the most liked actor based on the polling out there. Like, he's... Like, people like him more than every other actor. And I think that if you look at his career, he started off as, like, you know, wrestler coming in from a different system, I think, than necessarily the one that... McMahon had built, and then he really kind of came in, and, you know, he was the most charismatic man, and then he had to start back at the bottom again. And yeah. I think that this is a super important movie, actually, in his turn to uh, to a face, so to speak. Yeah. Another thing that I, that's sort of similar, I think, to that is that we were noticing, you know, when we watched the first one, Fast and Furious in 2001, mm. we were like, oh, Vin Diesel's so little. Like, he's obviously, like, still ripped, but he's, like little. And yeah. then, you know, I was noticing on Fast and Furious 4, he's bigger, but he's still not like a hulking and this movie i think maybe because the rock is in it there's a noticeable like he is big now yeah and you know i think it's at the end of six where he had like the face-to-face where they're like you know the heads both in the same shot they both look gigantic people but i i think there is something to be said about bringing another guy who is physically literally bigger than vin diesel into your movie that Vin Diesel was like, oh no, I also need to be huge too. And he like bulked up for this, I feel like. Definitely. I don't know if it's for these movies or for that reason. Maybe it was coincidence, but I feel like he is definitely the biggest, like it's a sizable jump, I think, from four to five. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, here's the thing. All right, Dom had to learn a lesson, all right? Cars aren't the solution to all life's problems. <laughs> Sometimes violence is the solution to yeah. some of life's problems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you had to get bigger. Yeah, so I think that's uh, definitely a core part of the arc. <laughs> Do you think that The Rock is the sweatiest in any of the Fast and the Furious in this one? Because he's just, like, constantly dripping oh, yeah. sweat. Yeah. There's scenes that they're in Rio, and, like, Brian and Dom look so relaxed, and The Rock is just, like, just drenched. And I don't know if that, like, like if they just had, like, a spray bottle that they're just spraying with <laughs> in the side yeah. or something, but he's just, like, covered, like, just wet and glistening the whole movie. Like, not like baby oil, but just, like, water. One of the skills that Dwayne Johnson brings to literally every movie, and that's the thing that you have to be good at in wrestling, you have to be able to sell that you are tired, beaten up, and exhausted. If you watch a movie with Dwayne Johnson, one of his kind of unheralded acting skills is that you believe that he is so goddamn tired like if you watch like skyscraper the most recent thing that he's in he's like burned out immediately and you can just like smell it on it and and that's just but like that's a skill that i think that a lot of people don't necessarily recognize like there are people who you can watch a lot of marvel movies and watch robert downey jr not break a sweat and chris evans can do stuff and not and make it look effortless which i mean that's part of the character that he's playing but the reality is, is that the thing that dwayne johnson's always been great at is selling every punch and I think that that is a skill that has, like, kind of been a little bit under the radar that he, I think he really sells in this movie of, like, yeah, if I went to Brazil, do you have any idea how much I'd be sweating? Oh, I'd be so sweaty. <laughs> I'm yeah, like I freaking agree. Queens. It peaked at 90 <laughs> this year, and I stayed indoors and didn't look at a sun. Like, if I went to Brazil, yeah. I'd die. Like, 
And I also think, uh, not so coincidentally, he's also under the most pressure in this movie. Like, by the end, you know, where he is sort of released from his job with the law, yeah. I guess. I mean, he is, in this movie, sent overseas to bring these people home. And, like, you know, even if he's the best in the world at his job, you know, that Old Testament kind of guy, where they <laughs> say, blood, bullets, wrath of God. Yeah. Like, he is, like, the world's pressure is on him to bring home these three fugitives and i feel like he's nervous or not maybe nervous but like amped up because of that too so it's not only just the temperature but he's like i gotta do this otherwise because like i'm the best in the world if i if i mess up at this like who's gonna get him like nobody's gonna get him so you know not only the weight on his shoulders as franchise viagra which i don't mm-hmm. know if that was a walt term or if i heard that somewhere else but in this movie as a character like i am the person who has to save the day to bring these wanted fugitives to justice. Yeah, no, I think, I, again, I think he's quite a good actor, and I think that you hit the nail on the head on that one. Another thing I noticed about this movie this time around was how much movie there is before, like, the main plot begins. Mm, like, they don't have that lot, yeah. Ocean's Eleven-style conversation until 40 minutes into the movie. And then at that point, there's, like, 95 minutes left. And that's, like, the equivalent of the first movie's, like, runtime in total. You know what I mean? Like, there is so much to get us to the point where, like, okay, we need to bring the family in on this one. And then there's just, you know, from there on, it's the movie that you think about. But, like, the whole, like, first 40 minutes, you know, there's a lot that happens there. And this is, like, a sizable jump. Like, I think, what was the last movie, Joe? Like, an hour 50? Or like, this is an extra yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Fate of the Furious, especially, the extended cut is, like, two and a half hours. Like, this is a sizable jump. But I just didn't realize before how much movie... I mean, it's all stuff I love, but how much... Literally how much movie there was before the movie that I remember this as sort of kicks off. You have three action set pieces. Yeah. Yeah, if we get to this point where, like, you have, like, the 40 minutes of setup, and then I think the turning point is them trying to go get cars, right? Like... They're like, okay, we're going to go get cars. And they just totally fast forward over what would be the pivotal beginning drag race in the movie. From Mm -hmm. all the other movies up until now, you have, like, that, like, first race that, like, kind of, like, sets the movie off. And you don't have that here. Like, we get to the point and they're like, okay, we're going to have the first race. Dom sees the guy with the Porsche. And they're about to throw down. And they just, like, skip it and drive back with the car. Like, you just know that he won. That you just, like, play it out in your head. And that's, like, really weird. This this is where the movies had shifted, but them skipping the race is, like, the main turning point for me. Like, that you don't see the drag race. Like, that's where it's, like, it's no longer a car movie. We're not going to give you that. Like, just play it in your head. You've seen yeah. it before. Now we're going to action. Yeah, like, it's a movie that fans went into for wanting them to play the hits, and in five, they're just like, oh, no, you're not, you're not going to get the big one until the end. They make you wait for it, and they make you, like, and then when it happens, you're just like, wow, what a great quarter mile, like that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I agree. But it's, I was just like, oh, man, they're, they're setting you up to tell you that, like, oh, no, we're, like, doing this different this time. Like, it's not going to be like what you thought it was. Yeah, I mean, like, the first scene is they have a fight with a bus, and they use cars to win it. <laughs> yeah. It's a good And then they point. have a fight with the train, and again, they use cars to win it. And yep. uh, oh, yeah, they steal that's a car. Too. I mean, they really steal a computer that has been smuggled within a car. And then mm-hmm. that essentially, that only then do they realize who the bad guy eventually is that they're going to rob. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I do love about the opening, though, I tweeted this, I don't know if either of you saw it, but the, the, the title card in this movie, I'm always fascinated by what, like, when, like, how long into a movie a title card drops. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's under two minutes. Like, we have basically the end of four, we have here that. Mia pulls a great handbrake 180, like an e-brake 180, yeah. uh, and then sort of makes the bus veer. Paul Walker, Brian, slams on his brakes. The bus flips over his his car, 
crashes Fast Five. A it must be 27 people on board at minimum, right? We yeah. talk about this yeah. all the time. There's there's so much gratuitous death in these movies that just is totally happy. And it wasn't, like, early on, there wasn't. Like, like, every, like, like deaths mattered. And here, the safe at the end, like, kills probably dozens of, like, innocent people well, but... who have don't even probably know who Reyes is, but they're just, like, shopping or at the bank. And, yeah. like, they just get obliterated by a safe rolling through town. Like, there is... <laughs> Lots of death in this movie. They do take great pains, though, to make you feel not guilty at all about the death. And there's oh, yeah. two lines in the movies that do it. The first one is that they were just like, the news reporter's just like, shockingly, no fatalities reported on the bus <laughs> explosion. <laughs> Which is great. And that's just literally, you wrote one line to remove the guilt. And then the second one is just like, oh yeah, every corrupt cop in Brazil yeah. is behind you. Mm-hmm. So it's just, oh, they're not people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, like, I mean, they are corrupt cops, but they're also like just probably poor Brazilian men who need to feed their wife and kids and, like, yeah. are just taking money under the table in exchange for protection and, like, they're gonna get killed too, which I guess, you know, crime doesn't pay or whatever. <laughs> but, like, compare that to, like, Mandy, which the title card drops literally 75 minutes into the movie and they're both perfect, this movie and that movie, and I'm like, that's fascinating to me. Like, when the movie knows when to throw that title card in, which I think this movie does, because it's like, cool, two minutes, here we are. Like, we're in Fast Five. Like, this is the movie you came to see and it's like oh yeah whenever that comes in i'm just like yes this is you know it's somebody who knows like there's an art to it i think like you don't have to put a title card in but like when they do if they do i think it's great here hard agree do you guys feel bad at all brian was a cop the whole time pretty shitty cop he lets dom go sure but he was a cop and like fucked over the family essentially for like a couple times Mm -hmm. now and then Vince comes back, and Dom is giving Vince shit about Brian, like him not accepting Brian. And I felt like this was a justice for Vince kind of moment. Well, because we just saw in the last movie that like Dom reacted the same way Vince did, and like nobody was there to stand up. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. Let him have his anger. Yeah, like Dom's like, no, Brian's cool now. We're okay. And you're like, but why? Like you don't even know that your sister's pregnant yet. Like just because he rescued you from the fucking bus doesn't make up for him, like, almost putting you in jail twice. Well, he saved him three times by now, to be honest. He let him go in the first movie. Yeah. He tried, he saved him in the second movie, or the fourth movie. Okay. He freed him here in the fifth movie. But I guess still, like, he'd be like, hey, man, Vince, like, he's cool. But, like, he gets aggressive toward Vince. I agree. Yeah, he's, like, he's he's so angry at Vince for, like, not trusting Brian. When Vince was the first one that was like, Brian's a cop, you know it. I was like, man, they gave Vince, like, he's giving Vince too much shit here. Like, I think Vince has a valid point. If they're just, like... Dude, this is why I'm in Brazil now. I have to be in hiding because of your ass. So this is what happened. I have a question for you two. And this is something, Joe, that you and I have talked about before. I just need elaboration on the timeline. So, okay. okay. So we know that Tokyo Drift takes place after six, right? Yeah, it has to. Yeah. Han is in this movie. So this takes place before, obviously. Yes. In four, Han is in the beginning. But when they all, when they're under pressure, right? They say, like, where are you going to go? And he says, I hear Tokyo's nice this time of year. Yes. And then leaves for the entire movie. I, I, I know that it's easier to think four than five than six than three than seven. In my head, I still can't get over the fact, because I know that also parts of, like, like four then leads into five, but, like, where did Han go in four? I think he did go back to Tokyo, but then I think he yeah. comes back from Tokyo to Brazil. And then okay. when he's with uh, Gal Gadot, and she's like, we should go to Tokyo, and he's like, we'll get there eventually. Like, he'll go back with her eventually, is what he's saying. Not that he's never been there before. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. The idea is that we all know that, a bit, like, he's gonna die in Tokyo. And that's, right. like, 
we know that from the very beginning. But I think that, like, you're allowed to hang out every couple now and again in the city in which you eventually die, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, the idea is, like, maybe, like, he's not going there. If he's not like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go, and then I'm going to meet a new friend, and then I'm going to, like, I'm going to steal a cut. Like, it, it, he doesn't necessarily have to go back and do the itinerary that will eventually kill him. Right. He could just kind of venture back. And it's like when you're in a video game, and you know you're kind of at the end of the video game, but you keep on doing the side quest for a little while, and then you don't <laughs> actually have to trigger the end game. It's like the third disc in Final Fantasy eight where you like as soon as you go to the fourth disc and everything closes off you're like i don't want to leave yet because i still gotta i gotta still gotta play cards like i gotta play <laughs> triple triad get all my cards so that i can then play the fourth disc i know exactly what you're talking about great yeah. metaphor walt it's like you're in bioshock and you're literally reading every goddamn paper that you see just yeah. to find any <laughs> backup because you know that eventually you're gonna have to do something messed up and yeah, yeah so like no I would say yeah. that, uh, yeah, that's that, that's how I kind of read uh, Han's journey through the Fast and Furious. <laughs> Instead of uh, being in Rapture, Rapture is Tokyo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So. Uh, one thing that I noticed at the very end of this movie, right, where Dom and Elena show up to Brian and Mia on the beach, and Mia's very pregnant, like this is, you know, several months in the future, and they want, like, Brian's like, I want that rematch. Like, this feels to me, and I never really thought about this before, sort of like that mythical third fight between Rocky and Apollo that mm. happens at the end of Rocky 3. Yeah. That begins Ooh. Rocky 4, which is like, we don't really know who won, but they raced again. It and like, it was matter. just like this sort of yeah. behind closed doors. Hey man, you know we'll see, but like it's two of the greats going at it. We don't need to know who won, just that they raced again. That's all we need to know. And it, like once those guys kind of get past, because again, uh, uh, there are two people who would like each other very much if not for their differing alignments in the beginning. And I think that the fun thing that the Fast and Furious breaks down is that it really breaks down and forces the characters to question what the source of those alignments are. And that I think is uh, again a Vin Diesel thing more so than many other creative types just by virtue of how he kind of picked up on how to tell stories you know what that just inspired in me we talked a lot about how the first one is essentially a reboot or the same story the same beats as point break right where it's top criminal i want to at some point joe future lap plot out what the equivalent of point break two through eight are that go Hmm. in line with this franchise oh I would like that's that. That's great. But, like, they would have been friends, too. Like, they, they got along. They were just on opposite sides of the law. Like, I would love to see a future where they're just, like, buds. You know what I mean? And, like, he lets Bodhi go again, and then he saves Bodhi's life, and then they're just, you know, robbing banks for Bodhi's fun. Bodhi's sister's I don't know. pregnant or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One thing that I heard in this movie that I think, you know, I've obviously heard in the past and never really thought about is that Dom is talking about his dad. He's talking about how he's talking about his dad in relation to Brian becoming a dad, right? And like yes. how important it is to become a dad. I'm like, oh, you know, for somebody who is so all about family, obviously there's Mia, but like we don't really get a ton of references to his other family. I mean, like we know that there's going to be the Netflix series about his cousin, who we don't know in real life yet, but... I'm sort of surprised that there aren't more His know, mom. memories or flashbacks or something. We yeah. don't even get, like, pictures in the old house. You know what I mean? Oh, I think that's essential, though. I think that, again, like, the key theme of these movies is that these guys choose their family. The idea is that they have an uh, opportunity okay. Okay. to... Lots of stuff happen. Lots of people... Like, like, many of these characters are lost in the world for a lot of reason. Again, Han's relationship with his family is what kills him. Like, and the idea is that, like... I think that if you look at many of these different characters... That is not a drawback, but I think also there might be good reason for that psychologically for one... Like, it's a lot easier to do a background if you don't have to... Like, a lot of movies are are obsessed uh, to the point of ridiculousness with legacy these days. 
you can look at again uh, like I like the new Star Wars movies a lot but one critique of the prequels is why does all these movies have to be about somebody's dad or somebody's paternity or somebody inheriting and the idea is like most people don't inherit crap and the idea is like <laughs> the ability to forge your own group and your own alliances and that kind of stuff I think is uh, a, an essential part of these movies that I think always appealed to why they were so uh, people can kind of put their own mentality into them and onto them and about them and that kind of stuff. That's one of my favorite parts about the Fast and Furious too, just generally, that like you can find something, a character in them to gravitate towards, no matter yeah. like where you yeah. stand in mm-hmm. life. Like you can find somebody that's relatable for you in there. Like once you get to like the family where you have everyone now, like you could pick a character and you'd be like, you know what, like I might not like this character, but like that would be me in this group. And we will find out exactly who Walt will be a little bit later oh, yeah, when we play we the quiz, which Fast and Furious character are you? Oh, the one thing that we have not really... I, I, I want to bring this up to every guest because I want to I extend the gospel of resident historian Mike Manzi. The one thing that we think that the series is kind of lacking in in terms of representation is gay characters. And there's Suki in Too Fast, Too Furious that's who part, is But that's of, it. And she just like hints that's at it. it. Yeah. But uh, Mike, you know, Walt, who we recorded the Cage Club episode with... Mm. He has an idea that he thinks there's a chance that The Rock's character, even though he has a daughter, is gay. And we would love to see that as... Because he is eternally, in his movies, almost asexual. He's all about business. He's all about getting the job done. But it feels like there's... Maybe it's just because he's all business, but the the way that he... In the eighth movie, right, where he's got that, like, flock of soccer moms... He picks Elena out, but he doesn't, like, ref... He's like, I like her smile, and, like, she doesn't... She's not gonna give up. So, like, he picks a woman, but it's not like he's, like, trying to, like, woo her, or, like, he liked her physically. Because he never makes, like, a pass at Elena at all. Oh, yeah. We would love that. So... Opinions on whether the Rock you think that could be gay or if there's not enough like because I feel like ethnically there's enough representation across the board you know geographically where these movies take place there is men and women represented but like in terms of like there's just Suki but like I would love if Mike's theory is right that you know the Rock is you know he doesn't have to make a big deal about it it's just you know my boyfriend my partner whatever so the Rock has played gay before when played in Be Cool okay. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So again, I, the only reason I saw Be Cool, which is an awful, terrible movie, is uh, because I did this project and I watched all the rock movies, right? Can I, in that, and like the idea is like, again, he plays it in a way that it's not overbroad or anything like that, so I can see it. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can see him playing like a character that you don't necessarily need to have that, like, the author come out like and be all Dumbledore about it. I think that he can play a character that he knows is, uh, like, and play it with fidelity and with yeah. Uh, masculinity and all that kind of stuff in a way that you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't necessarily know, you know? And, and the idea is, I think that it's kind of up to either the producers or stuff like that, but I think the idea in general is like, he it's within his range, and I think that he has been willing to play characters of uh, sexualities that are not his own before, and I think that it would be interesting to watch it move forward, and I like that, I like that idea, I like that idea. Because we're cool. like, what if Hobbs and Shaw turns into them being like a team? But, I mean, he could also play it, like, you know, very simply, like Joey said, and be like, oh, yeah, I just, like, reference my partner. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like, gotta call my partner. And yeah. then, you know, comes back. But, I mean, That's I could see any of these outcomes happening. We've hit, like, a lot of the the spreading of this to where, like, you know, we include a lot of different races and stuff like that. So for them to just, like, have Suki in two and then not really address this again is kind of interesting. Especially given how sexualized, not about actually having sex, but how sexualized 
the entire franchise is. Like, how many ass shots, how many cleavage shots, how many shirtless dudes, Biceps, right? Like, there's, like, abs, sex, yeah, exactly, yeah. from, you know, from that incredible thing that Walt shared with us, the stats of the Furious, yeah. you know, like, bicep shots and stuff like that, right? Like, yeah. there's so much attention paid to the human body, the, 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 the human form in these movies, to just sort of gloss over that. It just feels... A little strange. We don't get really any sex shots in the movies at all, though. No, but I mean, you also have in the later movies Roman and Tej incessantly hitting on Ramsey. You know what yeah, I mean? but like, you don't, have. But like you're saying, like they're sexualized, but not sex because like we don't even see any. I think like Brian and Mia wake up in the garage. Like maybe Dom and Letty, they wake up one time. They don't even like hint to sex in these movies very often. And I guess that it also plays into these as sort of in a weird way, like wholesome movies. Like there are, they're all PG thirteen. There's mm-hmm. rarely, they don't often, I don't think, curse. Like there is, The Rock says in this time, you know, say the fuck out of my way, and I was like, oh, like that almost feels out of place in this movie. Like I know you're allowed one. Yeah, you get your one. Movie, yeah, but it almost feels like that doesn't belong here. Don't they give it to The Rock in other ones? I think that doesn't he have it in seven? I know it happens again, but it just still feels in this weird way like it it, it shouldn't happen. There's nothing as good as a PG thirteen Dwayne Johnson getting to say the one fuck. It's so good. The man <laughs> yeah. sells it. He does it more than once. I've like I should have written down or researched this, but like I just know that whenever Dwayne Johnson gets the fuck, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> If we needed a tagline for each episode, that would be it. Whenever <laughs> Dwayne Johnson gets the fuck, it's the best. Do you guys think the writing of The Fast and Furious is sophisticated enough at this point? Elena picking up the chain is significant foreshadowing for the later movies. Mm. Are you saying, like, do they like do they have enough mapped out that they know where this is going to wind up? Yes. Because, like, Elena picks up the chain and puts it on, and that was, like... Dom's chain that was Letty's chain that's Well we Dom's also talked chain. about in the last in the last episode that like that is the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Like that it just everybody has it. You know what I mean? Like I don't think it's foreshadowing that it's gonna be used. But really to the only her. people that have it are Elena, Letty, and Dom. Well we I think Braga wore it last time, I think. Oh you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Braga finds the chain in the yes, and his goon has the chain. Okay. Yeah. Have you guys They're ever played D D? No. The core like my entire interpretation of the career of Vin Diesel again boils down to the fact that when every other filmmaker, director, basically creative influencer, and as a guy with an EP on a number of projects, I think that he absolutely deserves that title. Every other person learned everything they know about story from, like, the Joseph Campbell, Hero's Journey, Star Wars. Whereas okay, Vin Diesel yep, yeah. learned it from D&D, and learned it from Gary Gondax. Which is why when you look at what they try to do with, like, other franchises, they try to have three picture arcs where the hero is spurned, learns something, becomes better at it, and then conquers again. And that's just, again, the the tale as old as time, the conquering hero story, all that kind of stuff. But no goddamn Vin Diesel movies do that. They they scale upwards. They gain more friends. They gain more allies. They grow as a party. The scope of the mission rises, changes. They they, they gain new skills. They old friends become enemies. Sometimes enemies become friends and that kind of stuff. And and that is literally the entire game of Dungeons & Dragons. It's an iterative. You scale. You get better as you get along. And you build a crew, and you build a party, and people leave, and people come. This movie is when the party comes together, and I think that what's so interesting about this storytelling style is that essentially, like, 
that's what's going to... And if you look at, like, that chain... So it's like it's an like, item. You have a list of important items in your party, yeah. and you track that item over time, and you know that it matters, and you impart more meaning with it every time, and then sometimes it moves around and all that kind of stuff. And you could probably trace that through a number of different components of these guys' kits and what they own and what they possess and that, over the course of these movies. That would not shock uh, me if they had planned that far out ahead. Because that's literally just love that. what Vin Diesel knows about making movies. Chronicles of Riddick is a three-picture D&D campaign with a character uh, of Riddick. Which the is his character. Are, his, yes, it his is D and D character, right? His fucking D. It's a it's a version of that, and literally the three movies could not be more tonally or plot wise different. One of them is like a space war, and the other one is like a survival epic, and the other one is like how do we solve this problem and save this planet? And so all of those are like D and D quests for this character Riddick, and the people change every time. Enemy becomes a friend, all that kind of stuff. And like if you look at his style of storytelling, and you look at at least his influences. He's much more Gary Gygax influences when it comes to how you tell a, a saga than he is a George Lucas influence, which I think every other person in the, in the industry is. To I believe it's detriment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Now that you say that, it, and with knowing his background like this, I do think he had some foresight. That's why I was asking the question. I do think that yeah. he knew where this was going and that they could weave some of these things back into the movies. Because we've seen them attempt stuff like them calling Brian Bullet which they yeah. don't carry out and stuff like that. So they they leave little tidbits in them for them to carry on if they want, and if not, they just drop them. But I don't think it's like in, in again, like to go back to Star Wars, I don't think it's like them trying to like make Han Solo's dice into a thing. I think that he knew that chain would be pregnant with meaning over the course of the movies and wanted to make sure that he brought it up and touched base with it every time. Like, I don't think they knew that in three movies he was going to implant a tracking chip in it and then save Alina or save the baby. But I think that, you know, if, if they know that this character is going to be like fall in love with with Dom, right, and like be sort of the yeah. bridge while Letty is supposedly dead, I can see that there's a very solid reason there. Like, I don't think that they, you know, went yeah. to the, the, the eighth degree, but I can see them going to the next that's one. That's what absolutely. I'm saying, because yeah, right yeah. now, you just get, see him give it to Elena, so I think that's a little hint for the next one that, like, he and Elena will have a sure. relationship. That's what I was getting at. But, like, what I would say to that is that you are it's almost asking it the wrong way. It's like, if you ask the writers of, or the creators of Five, hey, in a couple movies, are, is this item gonna, ha- which item is going to get implanted with what? And ask them that, they wouldn't know, but if you ask them, like, hey, if you had to pick an item that we have that's gonna get a tracking chip in it, they're probably going to say the necklace because that like the idea is that right. these different yeah. items are like you make a couple things that you come back to whether it's you know the beer kind of thing and you make these notes that you return to each time that have a familiarity with them yeah, yeah. that makes sense yep one thing I want to talk about in this movie this I think is my favorite Roman in any of the movies that I, like I was eight talking Roman, about but yeah I... I hate I hate eight Roman like eight Roman is, like I think this Roman would be embarrassed of eight Roman. Roman in the eighth movie is such a pure caricature where everything has to be a joke, where nothing has stakes. Like, he is the butt of a joke, or he's making a joke, or whatever. Here, he's making jokes, but he still has conviction. Like, he's like, oh, this doesn't seem personal. This seems personal. It's like, this isn't business. I'm going to leave. Yeah. Then he hears it for $100 million. He's like, well, you know, whatever. Like, that feels so true to me, that this is the Roman that we know from two. That I think by the time we get to eight where everything he says has to be a joke as opposed to like him being good at things and then splashing jokes in this is what i love i think where eight brings him to it's like an elevated heightened level that i just i just don't find enjoyable like i feel like it betrays the character i think that it's the D character development where he just becomes like peak funny mm-hmm. like he just he just leveling up in funny skills 
the whole time. <laughs> I don't think it's peak funny, though. And whenever he gets to eight, he just has, like, maximum funny. No, I, I, I mean, that's just personal preference if you, you think it's funny or not. But, yeah, I think that he's, like, getting there. If we're leveling throughout all the characters, then he's going to eventually become this caricature. Yeah, I mean, I think that basically over time you just accentuate the traits and people improve in skills, which is why right. exactly yeah. why you go from knowing a, a thing or two about how to do a computer thing to hacking a fucking satellite. Like, that's how you... <laughs> Like that's that only makes sense if you grow bit by bit over the course of every movie, and you only get from street racer to international spy, right? <laughs> if you go through different tracks, and but you sure. maybe you do heist movie, and that is kind of how you accelerate that. And so I just think that if you look at the growth curve, like at times it's unsustainable, but like at the, the reality is, is like that's, like that's what we're saying. What are the, what, how are you how do you one up this? <sighs> Like, I, I can't imagine what Fast 9 is going to be like. How can they top Dom going against the family? Like, what's the next big thing? I think they have to cut in a Hobbs and Shaw to, like, give themselves time to breathe and think on it. Like, Yeah, you need, like, either, uh, like, a villain to kind of unite them all, or... There's a lot of different ways that people have kind of gotten around this problem in the past. Like, sometimes, like, a good example is, like, lots of shows did that, like, the Justice League shows, for instance. Whenever they kind of ran out of stories to tell or the characters got too powerful, they kind of went with the franchisee model, which is where you open it up and you have a different hero in every state, and that's how you are able to tell different stories and that kind of stuff, and, like, you make it a bigger organization. And basically, what if, like, it's, like, Dom making the crew into an MI6 kind of thing, right? And, like... Or you just okay. kind of keep on raising the stakes, like you like you start having more global threats and that kind of stuff. And like you can either raise the stakes, you can either raise the responsibilities, you can do a lot of different things. Like Mission Impossible did this totally. Like Mission Impossible used to be a much smaller scope mm-hmm. than the past, like than Fallout was, right? Like, and how you scale these movies in a cohesive way without getting too ridiculous is. It's been the death of franchises before. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Coherent. I, I think that Universal knows enough about that to not screw the pooch. Because this is really the best thing that they got. Word. Have you, Walt, have you been to uh, Universal? Have you gone to the Fast and Furious ride down there? <laughs> uh, when did it open? Because I was in Islands of Adventure in like 2011. Oh, it opened this year. Yeah. Then I have not. <laughs> no, I have not. We took uh, a we took a family field trip down oh there, my and it is great. It's one of those like rides family, that, like, family, it, or family like you and your friends who are a, like fa- us. a family that we choose. Yeah, there you go. All right. Yeah, and it, it, it's one of those rides. We talk. We have a whole little mini episode about it. We did live from down there. It, it's one of those rides that like seems like everything is now down there. Like the Simpsons ride, where you just get in a car and you like look at screens. But I mean, it's. It's the family, like it's Fast and Furious, like it's it's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they have a lot if of nice. You find yourself to down it. in Orlando. Yeah, go check it out. Hell yeah! I mean, I'm all about that. I, I'm very interested in essentially like what theme parks do next because I think that they've they're kind of coastered out in a lot of ways, and I think that they realize yeah. that having these experiential stuff, the Avatar stuff that they're trying, I, I think in general that kind of thing is the future. And if it holds up, then that's all that matters. We went on it twice, and we would have done it at least one more time if we didn't run out of time. But you know. We got nothing but time, but we, you know, ran out of time, unfortunately. So, <laughs> Joe, before we get to what Walt, if there's anything Walt wants to talk about, Joe, do you have anything else from this movie that you want to talk about before we get onto our games? The only thing I want to say is one day I would like to jump a car into the water and fall simultaneously with the car. And jump out of the car as it's falling? Yes, I want to mm-hmm. do that. I think that would be, like, top existence. Like, I was actually thinking, for segue from your ride thing, that that should have been part of the ride in Universal. Ooh. That you would be, Ooh. like, in a car, you get ejected out of it, and then you fall with the car. You know, like, I don't want to give 
Brian shit for not jumping sooner, but it feels like if he jumped from the train sooner onto the car, <laughs> he would have been able stopped. to turn. They wouldn't have crashed into the water. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I agree. It feels like because he jumps last minute, they're like, well, nowhere to go but the river. So like, let's just we're going down there. So yeah, but that's the last thing I had to say about the movie this time around. All right, Walt. Anything you want to talk about either? Because I mean, we would love to have you back for future movies. Like, we want to get yeah. everything out in terms of the, the the broad strokes today. But anything else about specifically about Fast Five or anything else you, that have been really you know burning a hole in your pocket or whatever. Uh, whatever the conversation version of that is that you want to talk about on this episode. Yeah, I mean, like, Gal Gadot, I think, is, like, she really shines in this movie, and I'm so happy that she has the career that she has now, that she's had the opportunity, and that she, like, is, again, the unambiguous shining star of of whatever DC's doing right now, and I think that that's totally to her credit, and I think that if you were to compare, like, her filmography to any of the boys in this movie, it's harder, and, and, like, she has overcome quite a bit in order to become the lead that she is today, and I think that, like, this movie does so much to hammer home just how, how talented that she is and how much she can infuse this, you know, role that doesn't have a lot with a lot. You know. You know, and I mean, that's not like a a knock against the role. I think that this is a movie with so many moving parts. You have eight people on a heist. You're never going to be able to spend a lot of time with them, especially when you only start the heist 50 minutes in. But like, (laughs) I think that what she does with this movie is just absolutely outstanding. And the Giselle Han relationship is by far one of my favorite things about this. uh, It's so good. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Coming from someone who just watched every Charlize Theron movie, like it is almost indescribably different how much different you know, actresses' careers are from, from male actors. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Charlize, from the very beginning, was clearly very talented, and she still had to be in way more bad movies than good ones, be objectified way more, to the point where, you know, even though Gal Gadot is who she is, she's still, like, in Keeping Up with the Joneses. That movie was marketed by that conversation she had with Isla Fisher where she was in her underwear. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they sold that movie based on, hey, you get to see Wonder Woman in her underwear. Like, it just... Yeah. And she's great in it, and she's super charming, and she's funny, and she and John Hamm are great together in that movie, but, like, that movie was sold by her body, and it just... It sucks. Like, I get it, <laughs> yeah. but it sucks. And it's... You know, I agree that she is given almost nothing to do. Like, in the last movie, four... Uh, she is just a bland villain who falls in love with Dom and is now here and just, like, is tough and puts up with no shit. Like, there's yeah. not much to her character, but, but she, she is makes... likable and she owns it. She's stuff at the beach. Like, she's yeah. so... Like, uh, again, I'm, I, we'll get to plugs at the end, but I, I'm on this podcast, Not Her Again. Yes. Not Her Again. The first round of it looked at all the years that Meryl Streep lost an Oscar and just essentially oh, all those performances. Oh, yeah. There were 18 of them. So we had a lot to work oh. with, and it was, like, 18 different years between 1978 and last year that we looked at how the Oscars changed, and obviously this is a problematic organization and, and how the industry has treated women over the course of it. It's been super informative. And then this time, uh, this round, uh, we're looking at Julia Roberts, who became the first actor, period, who made $20 million a movie. And just how, like, again, once you hit 40, things become difficult, and she has managed to do some very cool and compelling stuff. And this year, I think, like, with Homecoming, she's got a new movie coming. She's actually, like rather got a good chance of, of getting in apparently the mix with best actress and whatnot but like looking at women who have actually found a way to make it work in an industry that very robustly does not want them to is a very potent uh, way of kind of viewing film at these days and I get the chance to do that on that podcast that's cool. awesome yeah. Yeah. No wonder when I reached out to Michael to be on our next. Oh, actually, I can announce here because mm. uh, we have we are now past November first or November second, so I can announce that Mike and I are going to follow up uh, Charlize Theron with both Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks, and both of you are going to be on different shows there. Yeah. yeah. But when we reached out, when I reached out to Michael about 
those podcasts, I was like, look, Meryl is in a movie with Tom Cruise. She's in a movie with Tom Hanks. If you want yeah. to be on those. And he said yes. But he's also like, also Julia Roberts. And now I know why, because yeah. there is uh, the movie, the, the newfound obsession there with Julia Roberts. But she yeah. is Larry Crown America's is, is a movie. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And like, just but watching how it was really interesting. And again, I know that this is a Fast and Furious podcast. But like, if you look at essentially what happened to why there isn't an ex Julia Roberts and why there's so much fracturization, that says a lot about the industry. And yeah. I think that it's to an actor, an actress like Gal Gadot's credit, that she is able to again, really sing in this kind of performance and really work her way up to the top in a way that I think, again, so many, like, the reason I love these movies is because the cast are so diverse. It didn't require a lot of thought, and I think that that's to Vin Diesel's credit in a lot of ways, because his experiences as as a mixed-race actor have been really important in his life. You can watch some of his early filmography and his, like, personal student films on that kind of stuff. And, like, I think that it's enormously to his credit that he's able to build a cast this terrific uh, that that just works this well. And, you know, speaking of Julia Roberts again for a second, comparing this to the movie we mentioned a couple times earlier, but, like, Ocean's Eleven is just... Aside from really Don Cheadle, it's eleven white dudes, right? Yep. Like it's yes. just yeah. that's it's like what kind of white dude are you? It's sort of like in a <laughs> yeah. way the first Magic Mike, right? Like the like Joe, yeah. we have not gotten there yet for our Channing Tatum podcast, but the first Magic Mike is like which white which ripped white dude are you? And in the second movie, I think they made a conscious decision in XXL to like diversify and bring in like there's a whole detour to a whole like African American like there's a whole like there's a bunch of things that go on in the second movie that like it feels like they were aware like we need to diversify and like in Ocean's 11, 12, and 13 we start very diverse from the jump yeah. and yeah. we're talking about how like Brian is really in, in a way the only straight white dude in that first like I mean mm-hmm. Han's character is that's is wonderful because not only is he again like an Asian male in the, in the movie but the idea is like he's a sex like he's dating fucking Gal Gadot like <laughs> I think that that, that, that these, like and that I think is such an important sell of these movies where like again if you watch the Ocean's Eleven's movies there are as many schmucks from Boston between Casey Affleck and, and <laughs> Matt, uh, Damon. Matt Damon that that guy as there are African Americans <laughs> between Bernie Mac and, and again Don Cheadle oh on yeah Bernie team. Mac yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but like I think in general like the fact that these movies and, and again like they work on this and it, it, ta- it takes like it takes a really dedicated group of individuals making movies to just like make this kind of thing happen in the industry as it looks today and I think that it's I am enormously in awe of of what they pull off on these in particular yeah oh one other thing I do want to point out is that I think a reason I love these movies so much is because there are like there's going to be conflict but I feel like every movie in a way is like everything's going to work out for all of our actors you know I mean like there's sometimes people die like Han dies and you know Giselle dies and everything but for the most part it's like it feels like everybody, like, it, it's just going to be sort of like a happy ending. And what I've noticed this time around is that there are several shots in this movie where characters are just hugging each other. Like, it's yeah. just like a good time. Like, they're just, I don't know, I, I feel like the actors probably like each other too, but it feels like the characters genuinely like each other. Like, when they all show up for the heist, or when they find out that Mia's pregnant. They, they, there's like 30 second or 45 second shots where it's just like, them hugging and I'm like I love this <laughs> yeah like when they open the safe and the money literally pours out like a liquid and they're all just like like ecstatic and celebrating that is just like it's it's incredible you can't like, oh you might I mean you, you might have heard that. when you yeah. listen to the last episode last lap of this movie like I almost cried there because I was yeah. just like I was so happy for that almost how did you hold it together buddy I was <laughs> I think why I love these movies in a way is because, like, when I saw A Star is Born, yeah. which is 
half really good and half not my movie. I love the first hour because, like, I love movies where, like, there isn't conflict, which I understand is not mm. really a movie. But, like, I love seeing Lady Gaga's, like, growth from just, like, this bar singer to, like, superstar. And then when conflict comes in, I don't really care. Like, it just it becomes yeah. a movie that I don't want to see. But, like, it feels like, in a way, the Fast and Furious movies are all, like, the first hour of A Star is Born. Like, it's, it's us just, against the world. This is where I want to live. This is my wheelhouse. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a group of friends, just uh, them against the world, and yeah. there's no pettiness and none of that stuff, and I always admire that. Uh, I did come up with a problem in the course of this uh, rewatching this movie, and, and then okay. after this we can move move on. But uh, my only problem with the movie is that okay, so you are again, Dom, you have fled the country after exploding yep. a bus yeah. owned by the feds that had 27 other people on it at minimum. Yeah, you have managed to abscond to Brazil. A fact which you then remind the feds that you were in Brazil by carrying out a convoluted car heist, the likes of which (laughs) only you can do. Yes. What do you drive around Brazil in? An amazing car. That's what he decides to do. If I was on the... And that's how they get found, because literally it's at traffic lights. They find kick-ass cars. They look at the people behind the camera, and they're able to positively identify Brian and Dom. Although, no, hold on. Wait, I think I can explain this away. Really? Because... In this movie, they rob Reyes so that he gets all of his money together. Yes. And I think, if I heard it right, they intentionally get caught, they intentionally get seen, so that Tej can plant the tracker under Hobbs' car. Ah. Like, I think Mm. it is intentional that they are out just, like, getting caught because they want to lure him to race wars or whatever the Brazilian race wars is so that they can have Tej under there and plant the tracker. Then, you know, then eventually Hobbs finds it, flips the switch, finds them... But I think it's intentional. Like, I don't think they're just, like, fucking around, like, just, like, flaunting their wealth. I think it's intentional. I would agree with you if after that they had done my plan, which is switch into an 86 Gremlin and a Nissan Stanza and, and then okay. blend in with the crowd. But sure. after that, they don't. They keep on driving the really nice cars <laughs> when they're the only they known international. They yeah. steal additional cars. I yeah. don't know. Uh, but that's my like, right. only I grade. But that's, that's, a, that's, a good, but that's a good counterpoint that, yeah, no, they, uh, they were trying to bait them out. And that's a lot of what's fun about this movie is that – they manipulate the greed and they, they, they're able to goad people into doing what they want them to do. And that I think is like so interesting when it comes to like how smart they are with when it comes to how to run these heists, you know? I think it's just smart delivery to the audience too. That like, you know, you have to piece together the movie. Joey's like, oh yeah, well maybe like they were doing, like they had to put that tracker on them. And you're like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. That they're not like spoon feeding you the whole story of the action anymore. Because I feel like a lot of these movies are like just somebody saying, I got an idea. And then there's an action scene. And it's like, well... Okay, but like, what's the idea? Like, you, like if, I, I do think, and this is also coming from someone who just unabashedly loves these movies. I, I know that we all do, but it feels like to me, like I can explain most of what happens in these movies to an extent. Yes. But I'm also giving it the benefit of the doubt because I love it. So I understand that it might be yeah. a little confirmation bias on my end. I agree. One of y'all pointed out uh, similarities that it has to an Italian job, which one of y'all described as a movie that you hate. Yes, but you know that this was originally the Brazilian job, right? The, the yeah. Italian job part two. Yeah, and, and like one thing that I love about the Italian job and Ocean's Eleven to go back to those is that both of those are based on previous movies and Mm -hmm. I went back and watched those for again as yet undisclosed project what happened and how it worked was that when they remade the movies they made Ocean's Eleven more like the Italian job and they made the Italian job more like the original Ocean's Eleven because the plot of the original Ocean's Eleven I don't know if you've ever seen the Sinatra movie is Frank Sinatra gets several war buddies
bodies, they carry out a brief terrorist attack, they punch every cashier in Vegas while the city's <laughs> lost power, and then they rob Vegas. That's the extent of the plan. And then in oh, the wow. original Italian job, it's like a sophisticated Swiss watch car movie style Epscot, like take the, the gold away. And so like they really inverted in the case that Italian job got way more smash and grab. Ocean's 11 got way more. How do we, how, how do we pull this one off fellas looking at owing to their like shared history this being the Brazilian job, you can see a lot of DNA with maybe the original Italian job movie in a lot of ways. Yes, I would say so. I, th- I definitely the, Mi- the Michael Caine one, yeah. Because like it, it feels like you know in Ocean's Eleven, where Danny is literally not in prison, but he's like yeah. in that private room for yeah. the heist, and like like part of the plan is for him to basically be not part of the plan. Like it's yeah. like that doesn't feel in a way I don't think like this like it's not like Vin would ever be like or Dom would be like yeah part of this plan is to mean not to be involved like I feel like he's at the core of everything but yeah no I think that's a really good point again watch the original Italian it's Michael Caine it's got the line like you were only supposed to blow the bloody doors off like it's very like it's funny as hell uh, so <laughs> and I think that it's, it shares a lot of DNA with this movie much more so than the Wahlberg Italian jobs you know, Joe, we talked about because at some point, Walt, we're going to. I know that we're going to, on some extent, on some level, tire of these movies. What? No pun intended for tire. Impossible. That's, in, that's I know. incorrect. But what <laughs> we're going to do is we're going to stagger them, or if we go weekly, we'll stagger them, or whatever. But we're going to stagger them with what we call pit stops. They're going to be like themed laps. So sure, a lap yeah. is going to be the eight or nine movies. So we talked about doing uh, car movies because there's so many of those. But also, I think another one that sort of yep, pairs with that, that you're, is heist movies. Yes. Right? Yep. I think so, before, in between this one and the next one, maybe we do, like, Italian Job, Ocean's Eleven type movies, yeah. I like, agree. the originals, like, I think, like, ones yeah. that we haven't seen, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, Agreed, yeah. Honestly, do the, Ita- do the Italian's Job, I'm, I'm pluralizing it like Attorney's General, but, like, do the Italian's Job, figure out, because, again, if this was going to be the Brazilian Job, then yeah. it's almost, like, it's a shout back towards what the Michael Caine movie was, I think, in a lot of ways, uh, cool. rather than what the Wahlberg movie was. I'm down to watch it. And speaking of Attorney's General, that is my favorite pluralization. I, I saw in a one of my favorite film writers, this woman, Alison Wilmore, for BuzzFeed, uh, pluralized Culls de Sac, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that is incredible. All right. All right, Walt, we are ready now. Do you have any, anything else to say, or do you want to you move on to the game? I'm good. Let's go. All right, we're going to find out which Fast and Furious character you are. Are you ready? This was a quiz that I found that's pretty much like a J13-style quiz. Sure. That you um just answer the questions. Sometimes there's two answers sometimes there's eight just pick whatever one you like best or best describes you yeah totally see where you land yeah question number one first things first how fast do you like to go also here's a side note mm. we don't know what these questions mean sometimes like we sure. don't know how they impact the selection so right. you might have questions you can ask them we don't know the answers we'll, so we'll be unable to we, got it, we're yeah. all in here blind okay yeah Oh, and for the record also, uh, I am Brian, Joe is Mia. So we have Mm. that as a baseline here. Okay. Roger that. First things first, how fast do you like to go? NASCAR, roller coaster, Vespa. Uh, Let's go roller coaster. Cool. Good choice, yeah. Second thing second, how furious are you? Hulk, Sam Kinison, or Furious Styles from Boys in the Hood? I'm going to go Hulk. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It's been a rough couple of years, buddies. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not been great. Who would you risk your life for? Family, friends, anyone, no one. Hmm. I'm gonna go anyone. Yeah. All right. Oh, here's here's one that I noticed that there's a line from this movie. Choose a one-liner. Why don't you just pack it up before I leave tread marks on your face? I'm a boy who appreciates a good body regardless of the make. The line that I heard in this movie. When are you gonna give Martin Luther King his car back? <laughs> to which he responds. 
as soon as you give Rick James's jacket back. That's, that's not one of the lines. Oh. He's like gravity. Everything just gets pulled to him. There's never nothing. There's always something. Ride or die. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with the gravity one. That sounds pretty neat. Cool. I don't Ooh. think anybody's. I don't think. Yeah, you're picking answers that, that we haven't picked yet, so this could be interesting. Okay. All right. Someone you have a crush on is standing over there. What will you do? Nothing. Let them come to me. I'm going over there. Stand here and stare at them. I'm out of here. I'm gonna go over there. Like Ooh, go over to them. Okay. Yeah. Very forward. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, this have... one has a visual element. So let me take a picture and put it in the chat for us. <laughs> Choose your ride. 2010 Alfa Romeo Gioletta, 2009 Funny. Dodge Challenger I'm SRT. Going with the cha- I'm going with the Dodge Challenger. Oh, yeah, of Picking course. We're talking about that. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Which of these opposites do you tend toward, positive or negative? <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite question on the whole quiz. What? Like, they're, like, so deep and intricate, and then you just get there. You're like, are you positive or negative? And that's just it. <laughs> uh, let's go negative. Okay. Yeah. How do you feel about lying? Wait, am I going to be a bad guy now? <laughs> we don't know. I don't think anybody got a bad guy. I don't, right. I don't think there are. We, so here's another thing. We've we've only gotten four. Like, we've done this yeah. six times, I think. We've gotten four characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there's a fifth one. Yeah. Nobody's gotten Letty. Like, we don't know that Letty's in here. I don't okay. know. Like, we don't know who the answers are, but we'll so, find out. So we're not talking Myers-Briggs here. No, I think there's maybe, if we're lucky, eight. I think there's <laughs> probably closer to six. I don't know. How do you feel about lying? I'm a big liar. I lie sometimes, no big deal. If I do lie, I feel bad about it forever. Call me Honest Abe. I'm probably the second one. I lie sometimes, no big deal. Okay. It's a little small ones. How do you say goodbye to someone you love? Remember them every day? <laughs> Turn your back and walk away? Pour your 40 out? You don't. <laughs> How do you know I have a 40? <laughs> yeah, that. I'll do, the, I'll do the pour the 40 out. Pour the 40 out, okay. Yeah. Okay, here's another visual component. One of these... Uh, at least one of these doesn't line up with the picture, so mm. good luck here. But it is Choose an Action Hero. John Kimball from Kindergarten Cop, not sure. Terminator, as it looks there. John Matrix oh. from Commando. James Carter from Rush Hour. Nikita from La Femme Nikita. John Rambo or The Rock in Hercules. He's really good in Hercules. I'm going to do The Rock in Hercules. Cool. Okay. What's your favorite article of clothing? My dark jeans, my favorite wife beater, my too tight t-shirt, my old sneakers, my leather jacket. It is my too tight t-shirt. It's our anniversary. What are we doing? Candlelit dinner for two somewhere dark. Let's just go somewhere dark. Let's drive. Uh, We're going to do candlelit dinner for two. And then the last question, one more visual component. If you were to have your photo taken, what would the background be? Desert, blue sky, garage, city lights... An explosion. So realistically, it'd probably be city lights, but an explosion looks good. I'm gonna go All right, with an explosion. explosion. Yeah, you know what? Fortune favors the brief. Joe, do you have any guesses on who Walt is? I'm gonna guess Dom. He is. We finally got it. Luke Hobbs. Oh <laughs> shit! We got a Hobbs. I do wonder if, if it's purely the Hercules choice. If it's like, like you pick Hercules, you are just Hobbs. Really? Because I tried to get Hobbs and I got him because <sighs> I picked all of his things. But here's here's the here's the description for you, Walt. I'm so good at with this. With reckless abandon, you fight for what you believe in and you don't judge people. You have a strong moral code, but you remain open-minded. Your work is your obsession and you don't take breaks until the job is done. Joe, we get it again and you drive like the wind blows. <laughs> so we've been trying to figure out if all of them end with you drive by like the wind blows and apparently yep. they all do. <laughs> 
because Mia drives like the wind blows, Roman does, and now Hobbs does too. So I, I mean, this fits. It, it is the only canonically gay Fast and Furious character, so I'm pretty good with this. Like, this there is we go. What I really want. I mean, we agreed earlier. We did. <laughs> it's did. it's fact. It's canon. Yes, yeah. exactly. Cool. So now we have Hobbs to join our crew. Hell so yeah. I love that. You know, that is we're rounding out the family. Perfect. We are exactly. yeah. slowly but surely. We have one other game here on the show. Oh my Walt. god, there is a favorite. scoring component to this one. Sure. Uh, it's called This Ain't No Ten Second Race, aka Boy Do We Have a Podcast for You. So the rules <laughs> of this game go on Twitter, find any tweet you want. Yeah. Doesn't have to be anything. I mean, ideally something fast and furious related, but it doesn't have doesn't to be. Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. We will then, from the Cage Club Twitter, at Cage Club Pod, tweet at this tweet, say, Boy, do we have a podcast for you? Link to our show page, hashtag 2Fast2Forever, hashtag 2F2F, hashtag Fast and Furious. While you look for a tweet for this time around, I'm going to review. This only been two days, but I also feel like, Joe, if there's going to be interaction, it's probably going to be... Pretty immediately. Pretty immediately. So I don't think this is a bad thing. So, yeah. okay. To review the one last time, Joe, you found Vin Diesel one six seven zero two eight four seven at Vin Diesel, Dom and Letty, all love. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. No likes. Nothing, unfortunately. Damn. Okay. I then found this ludicrous in Fast and Furious 7, quote tweeting a picture of a GTA San Andreas... Boy, do we have a podcast for you. No interactions. Also, Walt, this is a very difficult game. It's hard to get points. The scoring, just so you know, a like is worth one, a retweet two, a reply five, and if they email us, ten points. Can I tell you the proudest thing that ever happened to me? Sure. What? You guys are aware, I I presume, of the actor Vin Diesel, right? Uh, I think I've heard of him. Very popular fella. So, fun fact, Vin Diesel is on Twitter. He's a verified person on Twitter. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. at Vin Diesel. He has 227,000 followers, but I wouldn't say that he's an active user of Twitter. I can't imagine that he would be. Well, he has 21 tweets and 7 likes, which is not a lot of tweets and likes, right? One of the tweets is tweeting out my 538 article about Vin Diesel. Oh! Uh Uh-oh. So I'm going to throw it down, and I'm going to give you that tweet, and I'm uh, going to do a power move here. Of the time that Vin Diesel tweeted my story. Okay, that's very cool. Oh, man, if he... Oh, boy. Maybe this is a side game, Joe, where we only tweet at Vin Diesel every time. (laughs) So he, again, again, 21 tweets. Most recent tweet, uh, 12 May 2017. It's about Hannibal, and I'm literally... I want nothing more than that Hannibal movie to come out. So what you're saying is Vin Diesel knows who you are, or at least knows you exist. I believe that Vin Diesel has read my work about Vin Diesel. That's which is incredible. so awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh god, I'm very jealous. We have yeah. two ultimate goals. We've said these sure. recently, but I don't think those episodes have even come out yet. My one ultimate goal is I want to go to a Fast and Furious release. Sure. So they have us there to do the Too Fast, Too Forever release of a Fast and Furious movie. Little red carpet. I want to be, like, at the red carpet. Like, I don't need to be, like, you know, like, nobody's going to know who I am. Yeah. That's fine. But, like, it's just going to be there. We do free promo for them. Second thing I want that's that's going to be a little bit more difficult. This one is crazy. (laughs) Is it in one of the movies... I want one of the characters to be listening to Too Fast, Too Forever and pause it. Like, so they'll be, like, listening to it, and it'll get, like, super meta, right? Like, it'll be, like, Tej will be, like, listening to it, and Roman will be like, what are you doing? He's like, nothing, and pauses his phone, and you just see that he was listening to Too Fast, Too Forever for a second. But that one will never happen. Which, I mean, I'm sure you gather, Walt, but that means that in this universe, these movies are movies, that they are, that we are commenting on while they go on these adventures, so. Would you like a tip? You know. Netflix is losing what? a lot of money 
and they would love to do some in-person product placement. So if you take oh. out a small home equity loan, <laughs> I'm sure that you could send a check to Netflix and make it happen. <laughs> I also feel like uh, I've read a thing or two in your newsletter about MoviePass not doing too well, so maybe MoviePass yeah. would uh, take some money from us. Okay, yeah, I mean, like, if you offered MoviePass money, they might just ask how much, and you might be able to say something, and then, yeah, we'll see. How, you we'll just see. own MoviePass at that point. <laughs> Honestly, at a you certain point, it. do you know oh, how man. easy it is to own MoviePass? at this point their stock is less than two cents yeah i know so one, one of my favorite podcasts never not funny uh they were they they were obsessed with movie pass like I, I i was subscribing to movie pass for three years before they dropped the price like oh. i was paying 35 a month and 45 a month and it was still like a bargain for me yeah because i would save 60 or 70 bucks a month and then they dropped it to 10 bucks and then everybody in the known world became obsessed with movie pass and never not funny talked about it a lot you know they were they were sort of making side bets in a way of like when it was going to die yeah. it's still around but i canceled because it's you know terrible coward are you seriously i'm riding this thing out i'm seeing where it goes <laughs> i got burnt like i went to a theater three times in a week and what like by the time i between the time i left my house and got to the theater my showtime wasn't available <laughs> and i was like this has been too much like it's not like i live in new york where i could walk to a theater or like if, if i if i if i go to the theater and it's not there i go do something else like i have to physically drive 10 or 15 minutes i was like i've been burned too many times for movie pass anyway uh jimmy part of the host of that podcast yeah bought movie pass stock when it was 20 cents he's like oh, it's no. gotta go up and then oh, no. since then it's gone down to you know two cents i don't know how much he spent on it but any amount of money was too much money because what a disaster but yeah. so my two favorite things about Walt's newsletter on an ongoing like the sort of the through lines. I'm sure there's a bunch of them, but MoviePass is number one, mm-hmm. and number two, raccoons. There's a, there's a yeah. raccoon through line in your newsletter, especially Canadian raccoons. Canadian that is just raccoons, fascinating. Well, because yes. Canada, I, here's what I've learned is obsessed with raccoons. Like every mm-hmm. time I've talked to, like I put I put them in because Do they I don't have e- any. No, they have way too goddamn many, and they're oh, yeah. doing everything that they can to subvert them. Because like every time I put it in the newsletter. Like, if something shows up again, it's because I got emails from people saying, thank God somebody's covering it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, like, you know, Joe, I talked about it on this podcast that when I went to Toronto, I was walking around and I saw a picture of a garbage can. Like, there was, a thing, was the thing that Walt shared that the city of Toronto spent, like, millions of dollars yeah. trying to create these, like, raccoon-proof garbage cans, which, spoiler alert, didn't work. The raccoons outsmarted them. Yep. But I saw these, like, <laughs> gargantuan, hulking structures. I was like, oh, shit. So I took a picture, and I, I tweeted it to, to Walt, and I was just like, I can't not think of you when I think of Canadian <laughs> raccoons now. So there's that. So, you know. Yeah. Okay, so just to, to finish up the, the recap from last time, Liam and Ellie both also tweeted at... You know, about learning about sex by watching porn is like learning how to drive by watching Fast and Furious. No interactions. And then Jason Derulo, I just got my duck back. I named that sexy bit Iguana. Team Unique did a great job. No interactions there, unfortunately. So mm. We're all pretty bad at this. We're all really bad at this. Oh, also, well, for the record, we say this every episode, so I feel like our listeners are tired of us saying this, maybe. But Joe has a history of tweeting at people who get their accounts suspended. Like, it's Ooh. happened multiple times. <laughs> yeah. That in the month it took between the time we tweeted and the time we recorded again, the, the person got suspended. So yeah, that's not out of the realm of possibility accounts. here. Yeah. But, okay. Okay. It happens, hey. So we have your tweet from Vin Diesel. God. That's, I'm no, so no, no that. commentary. Just tweeted, like, this is a thing that I'm <laughs> in. Straight up just tweeted one link. It's amazing. And it's literally, like, not even like ha. of his tweet. Yeah. No. Like... Not God. even, this is a correct take. It's just, bloom. <laughs> yeah. Boy, do we have a podcast for, for you. Vin Diesel. Really, about, about you, really, Vin. Yeah. Um, boy, do we have a podcast about you. But okay, cool. That was one. Joe, do you have a tweet that you found for yes. 
Fast and the Furious 1 through 5 are on Netflix. OMG from at official Hugh. Sure. H-U-E, which is appropriate for today considering Hugh Jackson got fired. Maybe it's his account. He's watching <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> Boy, do we have a podcast for you, official Hugh. I would like to imagine that there's a world where Hugh Jackson was like, damn, now I can catch up on Too Fast, Too Forever and just like walked out <laughs> of the building. <laughs> That hour forty every month, I just didn't have it. Now I finally Wait, got the time. That's also that's that's news. Oh my god, I rented five. We don't know if they're in the UK or something, so ah. this could be like a different Netflix. We don't. Uh, know. Hashtag moist daddies oh, no. is <laughs> in this bio. I don't know what it is, but hashtag moist daddies. Uh, shout out official Hugh. Okay, I'm gonna search for what do I? We're eventually for? gonna hit somebody else that's also pissed off that we've been talking about them. I would. Lo- I mean, again, like it's the same thing, like people asking like are we allowed to use music i'm like i would love to be big enough to be to bother someone enough that they would want to send us a season to assist like that is the goal you know what i mean okay i found oh oh i don't know which one to do there's two here okay you just get one make it make uh, i'm just choice. gonna do this one i think okay here we go i'm gonna put it in here it's a quote tweet so it's one of the other so this one is from patrick mm-hmm. h Yo! A correct man. That's who he is. So he quote tweets a tweet from Angie J. Han. It's a gif of Han and Giselle from Six saying, I'm still not over this and I will never be. And then Patrick says, I will kill for a Han Giselle spinoff trilogy set between Fast Five and Six. I agree. This is from two months ago, but boy, do we have a podcast for you. I just searched, all I searched was Han Giselle on Twitter, because like nobody's tweeting about the words Han and Giselle if it's not about this franchise, so that might be like, if this works, that might be my in from here on out, but I think that was pretty, I hope that was pretty successful. I felt, those felt good. Those felt like good tweets. Yeah. We'll see if we get no points like usual. In two weeks, because now we're we're in a bi-weekly schedule, but here we are trying to find out how to score points in this goddamn game. Okay. (laughs) I think we're done. So thank you, Walt. Anything else that you want to say before we Plug close up shop here on this episode? Anything else oh. you want to say about this movie, about the franchise? Again, we would love to have you on any movie that you want to talk about. Oh, if yeah. there's so another one. I will be coming on for a few in the Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks shows, and I'm really yes. looking forward to that. Very um, much so, so. Thanks so much for thinking of me. Uh, yeah, before we get uh, Slam Smash Cut to Don Zakuduro, I guess. Um, <laughs> the the newsletter that we've been talking about is Numlock News. You can find it at, just if you go to the URL, numlock.news. Numlock, like the old key that used to be on keyboards. I've been doing that all summer. It's been a lot of fun. You'll soon be able to find my work at Insider, and that'll be a ton of fun. I'm on Twitter, at Walt Hickey. And, uh, oh, if you want to check out that podcast about, um, you know, actresses and, and people who have made a really, uh, like Julia Roberts and Meryl Streep, and I believe he's almost decided on what to do next, but that is Not Her Again, so that is in the iTunes store, uh, Not Her Again. But, yeah, thanks again, guys. This has been so much fun. Of course. Dude, I'm so glad you came on. I was, yeah. I, had, I had a good time. I, that was awesome. <laughs> cool. And Not Her Again is sort of a spiritual sister podcast in a way to a lot of the things that we do over here. So in full disclosure, I have not listened yet. But now that sure, I know sure. that there is like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I love the idea, but I want to see where they go next. Now that I know that you're doing Julia Roberts next, I'm like, now I know there's like an arc to it. So I'm going to I'm gonna go check that out now. Yep. Who doesn't love them? I was also thinking, oh, maybe he'll want to talk to us about eight, but then it was Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren's sort of in that in that kind of world too, you know what I mean? So maybe I don't know. He's he's not the biggest fan of the Fast and Furious franchise movies because he hasn't watched many of them. But I feel like well, oh, you can uh, fix that. Boy, do we have a podcast for can him? I? <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, tweet <laughs> at Kate Blanchett with two T's. Um, yes. 
It's a great franchise. I'm a big fan of this. I think that it's a great way of storytelling. I think that Vin Diesel never gets enough credit for making it happen. Just the cast alone is, is, is it's amazing that they get the chance to work together. And I am just really enamored with the storytelling style because it's so, it's very fresh compared to yeah. a lot of how other people treat franchises. So uh, yeah. I, I, I really enjoy it. And thank you so much for having me on. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you for joining us. No, and so it, for man. all things... Cage Club Podcast Network and Too Fast You Remember, including our episode of what was it? It was two eleven, I think you were on, which was still the worst Nicolas Cage movie of all time. <laughs> yeah, it you can was go rough. to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. We have an email address here on the show, email family at cageclub.me. Yeah. We're now releasing podcasts every other Tuesday. So come back in two weeks for Fast and Furious Six with Joe. What is what's got? What's got? The world's longest runway. You know it. <laughs> Fast and Furious 6 here in two weeks with Jordan Pullen Clark of the Wistful Thinking Podcast. And just, you know, go to cageclub.me, email family at cageclub.me. Just say hi. We'll read say whatever hi. you send read it on air. Also, go check out Numlock News and Not Her Again and, you know, support the things that Walt does. Yeah. So. Oh, cool, thank cool. you. <laughs> I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And that was yeah. Walt Heggie, and we'll yeah, see you no next more. time in two weeks, yeah, right yeah, here on Too yeah, Fast, Too Forever. Exactly how we rollin' and we huggin' every block, no matter how